0: Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is the mystery of Mitrice Richardson. Back in the 2000s, Mitrice had a series of unusual events that resulted in a true crime case with little to no explanations of what happened in the end. Mitrice may have been suffering from a mental illness that was not noticed. The alternative option is something more nefarious that we still do not know the truth of. I'm Kylie. And I'm Thina, And tonight we have an unknown case to share with you.
1: excited jumped in with that and i'm tina
0: hey what's up guys hello how are you kylie it's been a weird day why i don't know it's just been a weird day it's been a weird monday hasn't felt like a monday i don't think people are can you can y'all just like stop being shitty people when you call people oh also if you guys don't know we record on mondays yes (laughs)
1: because everyone's like it's thursday
0: we're like what oh yeah no monday stop stop being assholes to customer service people on mondays okay thanks psa
1: Mm, i don't really think well i like missed um i was gone for two days last week because of like vacation and stuff like that so it felt like a really short week which then made the weekend feel even shorter so it was just like a weird week weekend and now it's like monday and it doesn't feel it it's just weird it's just weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, do you want to hear something weird that I found? Weird me up. On TikTok again. Um. So remember how we covered the Mandela effect? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it has been proven that it is a government. The government's doing it. Mm-hmm. It's been proven. Uh, The main one that they talked about, which I believe that we did talk about in the episode in the archives, mm-hmm. um, is... The fruit of the loom,
1: okay. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 because no, I actually know where you're going with this, and here's part of it. Here's part of it it's uh-huh. the same thing with Pyrex Pyrex. No, that has been disproven by people that actually work at Fruit of the Loom. Here's what it is yeah. you know, the cornucopia thing, yeah, and how people think it wasn't. Yeah, there's two Fruit of the Loom brands, there's a knockoff brand that is also called Fruit of the Loom, and I'll give you the TikTok so you can post it But Because what it is in in other countries, it was did have a cornucopia. Yeah, because it was like an off brand. Right. So that's just like some people nowadays are like, oh, my God, my family always owns Pyrex. And I noticed that the P in Pyrex is capital. And then people are like, no, it's always been lowercase. Nope. There's two exact identical brands with the exact same name that make the exact same products in the exact same size, shapes, dimension. And they are both called Pyrex. Here's the difference. One is made from tempered glass and one is made from glass hybrid. Stop. I'm not kidding. And so like one, you can (laughs) cook up to one, uh, a certain type of temp and stuff like that. And then the other one, you can't. One's more durable. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And that's like what it is. Hmm. And I was finding this out the other day and I was just like, now I don't even think the Mandela effect's real. I just feel like you guys are fucking with us to try to like make more money.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's like all a plur for, for money, like
1: marketing. It's
0: all for marketing.
1: Um, I saw something weird on TikTok. Yeah. Mine's very different than yours. And I was going to bring it up another time, but not this one. I don't know when I'm going to bring it up, but I'm going to read them and show you guys them and stuff. But um, you OK, like, OK, Kylie, hey, what up? <laughs> Do you know that trend where it's like this is something that would put a Victorian child into a coma? And like you say, the most like obscure thing. Yeah. I found a different version. OK. And it was like kind of making fun of Americans because they're like Americans think they eat such weird food. And it's like. Here's a food from my country that would put an American person into a fucking coma. Uh-huh. And it was people from like Antarctica or like Iceland or something like that. And uh-huh. bro, this food was the most fucked up shit I've ever seen in my whole life and so many people were like oh yeah that's really common I eat that all the time like where I live blah 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 over in you know whatever country this was uh-huh. and then all the people that you could tell that were not from that country even people that weren't even American this one person's like I'm from Dublin and you got me fucked up bro <laughs> and I was like "Huh, oh, okay okay can't pronounce any of them mind you so the well, day was I was it do like it, bugs or what no it was like first off just weird shit like I, I don't even know how to describe what it was it was just weird stuff But then sometimes it was like a weird combination of food, but then other times it was like we eat a bull's testicles dipped in like something like that. Where it's like, okay, yeah, I I know other countries that eat that, and then they're like, but we dip it in fish and fly larva and then grill it in the sperm of a fucking cod. And I'm like, wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. And then (laughs) they're like, wait, 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 wait. wait, And they're like, and put it on a bed of arugula. And I'm like, okay, well. OK, you sold me there. No, um, <laughs> I can't remember what it. it was, but there were some really weird ones. So I'm, I would not even be surprised. Yeah. By that. So I'm going to bring that up sometime when I try to learn how to pronounce them all. But not not now. Not yet. <laughs> not there were yet. so many. One of do them some was research, like, dude. Literally, one of them was like thirty letters long, and there was only two vowels. And I was like, <laughs> "That's not a word. How do I do that? Where Where are all the letters? They're that missing. <laughs> That's not a word. There was like nine V's, and three of them were in a row. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's a sound more than <laughs> more than it's a word. Uh, I'm gonna fuck it up. It'll be Christmas characters all over again available in the archives. Oh, you want to tell them what I got you? Oh, Kylie bought me the Chicago Diner cookbook. Yeah. Because I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about it. I talk about <laughs> it all the time. I really like the Chicago Diner. It's my second favorite, um, third favorite restaurant in the world. I thought it was second. Mm, No. It's my second favorite in all of Chicago or like all the Midwest. My all time favorite restaurant is that one that's on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. The Butcher's Daughter, which sounds like it's a meat shop. It's a vegan restaurant that's attached to a flower shop. My I love that. (laughs) That sounds so hipster of me. It really does. Um, My second favorite restaurant is the Handlebar in Chicago. And then the Chicago Diner comes afterwards. But they're very, very close Sometimes the handlebars menu will suck to where it really makes me question things. So oh, is it like rotating? Yeah. Gotcha. So you know how I'm a epileptic? Uh-huh. Corey put this fucking <laughs> thing right here <laughs> that is strobe lighting neon it, colors. It's always been there. No, it's right here normally. Do so you I need don't to, notice it. To stop? Yeah, so bad. <laughs> trying not to have a seizure while we're
0: recording there's a uh there's a there's a a button a remote
1: <laughs> oh my god this is my actual nightmare where <laughs> pause that's never an issue <laughs> because it's never been in my line of sight before yeah. and now it's like literally Hello. where i have to look <laughs> right here oh my god <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Whew. I like how you didn't notice it until right now. No, <laughs> I had been noticing
1: it, but I was going to try and suck it up, and then I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm starting to feel woozy. <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay. I thought I was going to fucking pass out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, you just like... My, 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 <laughs> life, just like, my life is flashing before and kind was of <laughs> just like, I'll finish the episode. I got
0: this. Athena's okay. <laughs> okay. uh, over there.
1: Athena's sleeping. <laughs> Dina's taking a little power nap. <laughs> Oh, so um, tonight's (laughs) that was a lot to handle. Um, Okay, so in the last episode, I talk about Mike, Uh the listener slash my friend who I'm going to get this disco ball tattoo with. And I said, by the way, Mike's not a big, buff, burly man. Mm -hmm. Mike goes, I could pretend to be a big, buff, burly man when we go to the (laughs) tattoo shop, if you want. Mike is five foot tall. Maybe weighs like a 110 pounds soaking wet. Uh huh. And Mike's like, Yeah, I'm a big, buff, burly dude. And I'm like, Uh huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got this. Right. So that's all. Uh, Want to get into my trees? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, well, you don't know anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I start every episode with, so you know. And Kylie's always like, no, I don't know. No, that. I don't. <laughs> But this one's really common, so maybe you do know. You know what the whole concept slash term of, like, missing white woman syndrome is, right? No. Okay. Okay. I thought you might, because you were pretty deep in Gabby Petito, which was a missing white woman syndrome case. Okay. So here is the concept of it. We'll We'll do do that eventually. We will. (laughs) Missing white woman syndrome is the difference in disparity of news coverage by law enforcement attention and media coverage between like pretty much anybody that is not a white woman that is missing, but they specifically want to show like in this case, the difference between like a black woman and a white woman, because they often believe that the white woman is going to get the most coverage in news reports. So at the time of Gabby Petito, I'm going to use that one for example, because most people know what it is. I get it now. I just didn't know the name. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby Petito went missing and there was the whole concept of it. Right. Literally everyone was watching and and everyone was freaking out. Yeah. Here's the thing. The exact same thing. A woman and her boyfriend were camping out in that same region and she went missing and her boyfriend ended up being the killer. And here's the thing. She was black. It got maybe like a five percent news coverage within a whole month. That's bullshit. Gabby Petito got 98% coverage within 24 hours. Not even. So that's the concept here. It's saying like young white women get the most coverage because, oh God, like they're influential, they're young, they're powerful, they're whatever it is. You know, sometimes it's because they're rich. Sometimes it's just because they're beautiful. Sometimes it's because they're young. But that's the concept. Now, this case also took place before Black Lives Matter movement. And because of that, some people say that this was kind of the original case that started a little bit of that conversation. Now, if you if you really know true crime, you know, the Rodney King movement and Rodney King riots was the original Black uh, Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. But um, moving on from that, like what case started taking that movement, it would be probably my Trace Richards and. So um, the thing is, is there was not a lot of coverage for a long time on the Mitrice Richardson case, and there was a lot of shoddy police work that amounted to pretty much nothing being solved in this case. We're gonna have a really hmm. sounds familiar. I was gonna say this is kind of the concept of all of our twenty twenty four cases thus far. I hate it. What
0: do better? <laughs> I me been picking cases no. or in law work. Law okay. the law enforcement needs to do better. Like I'm such an advocate for for policemen like I don't agree that they should be shot at all the time and the fact that all of these types of things happen so often it's just so infuriating like bro just get your shit together and do your job and we can move forward
1: like I uh I'm like trying to think of it right now and I feel like pretty much almost every case we've done in 2024 (laughs) has had this (laughs) same concept right now Except life. for that one dude in that one case. The fuck? <laughs> what?
0: That wasn't, that he was out of his jurisdiction. I can't remember his name.
1: Are you talking about in the Lauren? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, he did good, but the case is still unsolved. I know. So I guess that really doesn't say much about the case. But I bet you it would be
0: solved if he had jurisdiction.
1: Oh, wait, we did Sandy Hook. So that's our one that's different. But like. Okay, for our 2024 cases, (laughs) we did Tucker Hips, which is... uh, Okay, so we did Chupacabras. That doesn't count. Tucker Hips. Unsolved, we didn't know much. Marlene Warren. Took forever to solve because we didn't know much. Pamela and Greg Smart. That one we did good. Great. Mm -hmm. The Seth Jackson Summerfield Six. We almost didn't know anything, but then the kids spoiled it, luckily. yes. Okay, Fay Folk. Doesn't count. Lauren Agee. Uh, The concept of we don't know much. But the dude, the dude knew. He knew. Mm. And he's oh I forgot to also say Ellen Greenberg we didn't know, and then Zola we know because it's different but yeah. and now my trees we're doing because we don't know I really haven't done anything that's like we're a doing great. open and close we case actually know one. yeah fuck I'm thinking about doing Casey Anthony next week though so we'll see oh we'll see okay but suppos- supposedly we don't know there either we don't know <laughs> supposedly yeah supposedly fuck Casey Anthony <laughs> I got beef with her. She's right some up there feeling. with Digital Princess, whatever that bitch's name is. I don't even know her real name, and I'm blocked, so I can't know her real name because she blocked me on everything because fuck her. Turns out you're not allowed to bully people on the internet, but fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I have a platform. <laughs> so, so fuck her. <laughs> All right, let's talk about My Mytrese my LaVonne Richardson was born April 30th, 1985, She's a Taurus. She has the same birthday as Kristen Dunst. Kirt. Kirt. Kirsten Dunst. Kirt. Yep. I was making sure not to fuck up her last name, so I fucked up <laughs> her first name. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And that's a National Mr. Potato Head Day. That's weird. Oh. Why, is, why Why does he need a day? Well, why not? Barbie has her own day. Don't ask me what it is. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I just know she has one. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really surprised you don't know that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And she was born to parents Latisse Sutton and Michael Richardson. I know normally at this point, I just like glaze over the parents, but I do feel like her parents add a little bit more to the storyline. So I want to rewind a little bit and talk mostly about her mom. I could talk about Michael because he had a rough childhood, but I, I like Latisse's storyline better to show the development of my trees, I think Michael's storyline only shows like Latice's storyline, but I think Latice's show is traces. Whoa. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I fo- <Yeah>. I'm following. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry about all that. Okay. So Latice Harris grew up with her grandparents, Eddie and Mildred. Love it. Because her father was gone and her mother was an alcoholic. Mildred will become important to this whole storyline. You'll hear about her a lot. Uh, Latice had seven siblings. They were scattered throughout the foster care. And on Mother's Day in 1980, when Latisse was 12 years old, she was uh, hanging out with her parents and she watched Eddie, her dad, shoot her grandmother three times, once in the finger and twice in the torso. And then he pointed the pistol at himself in the chest and ended his own life. Granddad, grandfather, right? Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say her father. Did I say father? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Grandfather. Then um, Latice and Michael Richardson grow up and they meet in their junior year of high school at Locke High School back in 1983. And then she ends up pregnant her senior year with my and she's trying to juggle school and be pregnant. After the couple graduated, Mildred started to care for my Mytrese. Oh, my God. These names. <laughs> they're so yeah. hard when they're all next to each other. Yeah. Um, she did this pretty much so that Latrice and Michael could try and like work on things. And the thing is, as I said, Michael had a troubled past himself. Uh, he just wasn't doing too hot. So Michael, while he was in high school, was a small time drug dealer. But he ended up kind of following through with that for the rest of his life. He ended up not being around for a lot of my trace's life, mostly because he had a series of felonies that were mostly drug related. And by 1989, he had to serve an eight year sentence at Soldad State Uni- uh, Prison. After four years, he was transferred to a smaller prison, but I don't know where or what happened after that. During this time, Latrice met Larry Sutton. So Latrice and Larry now get together and she marries him and he actually raises Matrice. So she really depends on like her stepdad instead of her dad. Now, they lived in Covina, which do you remember what case Mm -hmm. takes place in Covina? The Santa Santa of Covina Santa of
0: Covina (laughs) (laughs) look at me
1: (laughs) I know something (laughs) um they end up moving to San Gabriel Valley California though around not very long of 1993 because of the Rodney King riots and like that changed the course of where you lived if you were like a family of color at that time like because people were scared Mitrice was described as naturally compassionate, gifted, and ambitious. She had completed in beauty pageants when she was younger. And growing up, she was really active while participating. It's because of all these words. (laughs) I know. While participating in track and cheerleading while in school. In her spare time, she loved dancing, singing, hanging out with friends, and she would always make home movies. And I mean, this girl loved dancing. She would always make dancing videos. Her mother said that when she was like, um, like a baby, that she learned to wiggle and dance in her crib to Prince's song Kiss before she could even walk. That's adorable. She also said she's the type of person you could just never ignore because she was so happy, fun, and just pure silly. Do you ever wonder what your parents would say if we had,
0: like, identifiers? Mm. <laughs>
1: like, I really don't know what my parents would say. I feel like I could probably probably know what my parents would say, to be honest. I'm pretty simple.
0: You are pretty simple. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty exactly what you see is what you get. (laughs) I mean, that's not a bad thing, but I feel like it'd be easy. And like, I don't know. The one thing that is nice about me is I got I mean, other than tattoos, that makes it pretty easy. But I got a shit ton of identifiable stuff like I've had. Surgeries that make me very identifiable and stuff. I have very prominent scars. Like, I mean, I have like a scar on my face. I have very crooked, specific-looking teeth. <laughs> um, I have a birthmark on my back. Like, I have very clear identifiers that would make me very easy to find. I feel like.
0: I mean, I have a, like I have tattoos, and then I have.
1: But I mean, even when I was younger, like before I had tattoos, those things. Oh, were yeah, no, knees. I didn't. I only have a birthmark on my knee. Oh, and I have a birthmark on my face in the shape of a fucking heart. I don't have anything else. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm pretty. You see me and you recognize me, I feel like. Hmm. Am I wrong? No. I mean, I know you, (laughs) so I'm like, no. Okay, you thanks. But yeah. And I feel like I feel like it'd be pretty easy to describe me. I feel like Corey would be pretty easy to describe why? How would you describe Corey? Oh, he doesn't want that. <laughs> he doesn't want me to. I'm just saying I could. <laughs> I feel like the hardest one would be Margie. Yeah. Margie would be difficult. I guess she's just going to sleep. Die. Oh. She's going to sleep. Sleep, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Like, Every day. Like, what did she enjoy? Those Sleeping. people that are always like, oh, they lit up a room. I'd be like, Margie walked into a room. That's, that's, that's all. We can move on. And they're like, well, what would she do when she walked into it? She, she would make sure no corner one and did not talk to anyone. Yeah, she, would she did make not sure that the room. She no did not one talk knew to she, was she slipped out as fast from the room as she could. She was actually faster getting out than she was getting in. <laughs> to did know she existed. She's a fucking ninja. And they're like, oh, huh? okay. She's a ninja. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Be like, okay, so like. She had like a great personality though. I was like, I don't know if you got to know it. Yeah, but like, good luck. Right. It's fucking you hard. You have to break through that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, Matrice's mother described her as, Matrice was a joy growing up. She was such a ball of energy. She loved to laugh and she loved to joke. Her father described her saying, She was my heartbeat. She was my everything. Her father, father? Let, no, stepfather. Okay. Like, like yeah. I'm when say. I call it her
0: father, it's that dude. I mean, he probably feels like a piece of shit, but, you know,
1: and actually Michael did. He really did love Maitreese though. Yeah, that is the thing, because that's has, what I mean. Like, he probably feels like a piece of shit. He has this car that's very specific to him, and he has this giant painted photo of her on the hood of his car with like a rest in peace thing and stuff like that. Like, it's a whole thing. Maitreese ended up attending South Hills High School in West Covina, California, before going on to college where she obtained a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology in 2008 from California State University of Fullerton. Sounds boring. Um, so the reason why she did this was she was getting ready to apply to graduate school and hope to become a child psychologist with a focus on working with kids in the foster care system. That makes sense. Still now, sounds really boring. <laughs> yeah, you see though where it's where it's all coming together. Yeah, yes. She had two jobs. She worked as a go-go dancer in an LGBT nightclub called Deborah's in Long Beach. I love that. Her name there was Hazel. That's adorable. It's really cute. And she worked as an intern for Dr. Rhonda Hampton for psych stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. She was an openly, like, she, she openly came out as a lesbian. She had came out to her family about a year before this, and her family was extremely supportive and proud of her for telling them. There was, like nothing bad about it. So this is kind of a funny story about her. My trace attended the hot summer nights party at the Playboy mansion as a guest model once, because like I mentioned how she loves dancing. So I wanted to mention that. Uh Well, the next night after that party, she actually went out to a dance contest and she won $500 in a butt jiggling reggae dance contest in Hollywood. (laughs) I'm sorry. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Okay. Isn't that a uh, whole sentence to... Uh, yeah. Okay. Go we, her, though. Let me break this down. Okay. Reggae and butt jiggling
1: yeah. are not the same thing. I think she also really liked reggae music because even during the time of this, she's wearing like a Bob Marley outfit the day of this event. Yeah. So, I mean, I might be like potentially
0: putting just my feelers feel like, out,
1: but... I just feel like... That
0: type of music is really like slow and moody and vibing. And butt jiggling does
1: not go with that. She's slow jiggling that booty though. (laughs) She's doing good. Slow jiggling. So I, my Trice is gorgeous. That is the thing. You can see her in competitions. There's this one where she wears this gold dress. Oh, she is absolutely gorgeous. They say she's really well-spoken. She's very calm. She's very like easy to talk to, things like that. Here's the thing. When you start looking up this case yourself, you're going to look at this photo of her from this day of this case. And you're going to hear things about this case. And you're gonna be like, this woman is not well-spoken. She's a fucking nut bat case. And also she looks rougher than hell. No, it was just the worst day of her life. This day, my Therese looks and acts differently than any day in her whole life. Okay. So Good to know. Mark that in your little thought pocket. Put a
0: pin in it.
1: <laughs> it's not called a thought pocket either. Amanda, what the fuck is it called?
0: <laughs> she never yelled at me
1: about what it was. <sighs> Shady bitch. <laughs> at the time of her disappearance, there was some varying reports about Mitrice's relationship status. Some people say she was still currently dating her fr- her girlfriend named Tessa Moon, who she had been pretty much dating for the past two years. Um, some people said like they were still talking, but not together. And then others say they had earlier broken up in spring of that year, but it is so varied and no one has came forward with a hundred percent concrete answer. So who kind of knows where that is, but just, she had been dating Tessa for the past two years and it gets brought up a little. So also at the time of this case, my was living with her great grandmother, Mildred, Mildred. (laughs) So, Mildred lived in South Los Angeles and Maitreese was 24 years old. Mildred's either 90 or 91 years old, something like that. Like, she's, oh, wow. she's an older lady yeah. now. And she kind of does need someone to help take care of her. So, when Maitreese offered, her parents were like, Yes, that works out perfect. Cause then we don't have to send Mildred to a home. That's fair. It just like best of both worlds there. Yeah. And because it kind of keeps Maitreese in line because. You're not going to come home partying after living with Mildred. Right. Like the craziest thing is you're going to go to your little go-go thing and then come home and be like, oh, I got to sneak in because it's 2 a.m. And I'm going to be quiet about it. But you're not going to be like, I'm going to party now. Right. This whole thing was about circa 2009 at this point. And she's 24 years old. She's living with Mildred. And this is when things take a turn. Matrice goes missing. But it's all the circumstances that lead up to her disappearance that really make people confused. So let's start discussing the day of the event of her going missing. Because depending also on some true crime cases you hear, people might classify this case as a missing persons case, and some might classify it as a murder case, and some might classify it as a suicide case. Oh, because different things have happened over the year and this case has evolved. Okay. So it's one of those where, like, if you listen to someone cover Brittany Drexel two years ago, they're like, oh, it's a missing persons case. But now, if you listen to a Brittany Drexel and we know the truth, you're like, It's a murder because we found her now. Right. So that's another thing. The Mitrice case has gotten further along. It's evolved. Yeah. On September 16th, 2009, Mitrice left early from work, climbing into her 1998 Honda Civic. Her colleagues described her as overly excited and unusually bubbly that day. She ended up leaving for work and uh, then around lunchtime she goes goes to lunch and then just never comes back to finish her shift sounds great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when i worked at starbucks people did that it was the absolute they just thing. weren't coming back though. yeah no they, they quit <laughs> they it quit. wasn't that's
0: how they quit yeah. that's how they
1: put their notice in. also someone did that one time when i worked at the animal shelter they're like oh i'm gonna leave on my lunch and then they never came back that sucked i love that yeah I love that for them i've had a lot of jobs where people do that because i have had the worst jobs ever <laughs> When Matrice left work, she stopped at Mildred's house and then she left before she told Mildred where she'd be heading next. So Mildred's like, oh, that's kind of odd, but okay."
0: So she went for lunch. She went home to Mildred and then she left left again and then she never showed up to work and she didn't tell Mildred where she was going.
1: Correct. Got it. She actually goes someplace else next. She stops at her aunt Lauren's house in Inglewood. Her aunt wasn't home, so she left some of her like business cards that said Hazel and, like, talked about, like, the club that she worked at. And when I say she left these cards, like, on the porch and stuff, they were everywhere. They were on the porch. They were in the doorway. They were in the front yard. Like, there were so many cards. That's a little sus. Then, Maitrese left a note on Lauren's husband's windshield that seemed like a random collection of thoughts and doodles and, like, just kind of out there thing. She then, on one part of the paper, writes, from a scorned black woman, which could have been a joke. People are like unsure, like, oh, I'm mad that you weren't home type thing
0: mm, okay. and joking
1: around with him. Um, and then I think she wrote like, I love Hazel or something like that. Like it was kind of, some people wonder if it was meant to be like a funny note or if it was like a rambling note. So it depends on, Regardless, I guess, it seems very out of character. Yeah, it's, it maybe is part of the relationship she has with this aunt and uncle, but no one's sure because the aunt and uncle have also been like, Well, now we think it's weird because of what happens later, but it could have been funny in the moment. But now we don't know if it was meant to be funny because maybe she was losing her. This was the mental break starting Uh to happen. Okay. She then goes for a drive. And when I talk like she's going for a drive, she's driving out into the Pacific Coast Highway, not a place she normally goes. And then she says she sees these lights and she enters the parking lot because it's calling to her. What she enters is the parking lot of Joffrey's, the restaurant, and it is pronounced Joffrey's, not Jeffrey's. Got it. They will correct you. (laughs) Okay. So Joffrey's is this restaurant that's regarded for its like high four star rating views of the Pacific. And it's like super expensive. And you'll find that out when I tell you what she orders. Like it's it's posh, which a lot of places in Malibu are posh. Like Mm -hmm. That is a. Oh, well, yeah. Expensive area. Slightly. Yeah. And Latisse is like, wow, that's already really weird because my trees does not go to Malibu. That's not a place she hangs out. That's not like a place where she knows anyone. So why did she go all the way to Malibu for lunch? It's like a 40 mile drive to there. And. Latrice later is like, it's just weird because someplace so crowded and expensive would not appeal to something my trace would want to do for her lunch. But what's more odd is what happens with my traces behavior at Joffrey's. It was bizarre from the moment she pulls into this restaurant parking lot. So Joffrey's is valet only. So of course. She, yeah, <laughs> she pulls in and at first she tries to park her car and they're like, hey, we're valet only. We'll do that for you. And she's like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah. And it's like a $5 valet, whatever. And, but I mean, back in the, $5 doesn't sound much, even in 2009, I feel like. So whatever. But she, she pulls in and they're like, it's valet only. And the valet kid's like, hey, I have a few cars in front of you. I'm going to do those first. So he assumes that she would just sit in her car or like give him the money and like walk away. Right. Right. So he's doing these other cars And then when he walks back over, Maitreese is inside his car, which is just like parked off to the side and unlocked. And she climbed into his car. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's like, What are you doing? And she's flipping through all the CDs in his car. And he asks her if she was okay, because obviously what she's doing is weird. And he's like, What are you doing? And her only reply is, It's subliminal. So he's like, OK, that, yeah, that that's that's weird. Not helpful. Like, I don't like that. So he notices that her car, he says it looks like it was ransacked and it was a disheveled chaos. And everyone will mention how her car is so messy. You can't find anything in it because they can't later find her like keys and her wallet and everything in her car. But they also say it almost looks like she had been living in her car it was so packed and messy when they later describe Mitrice's outfit and stuff. What they say is she was hazel-eyed with curly locks sticking out of a Rastafarian-style hat. She wore a long-sleeve white T-shirt under a black Bob Marley tee, some Vans, and fashionably distressed jeans with a pink alligator-patterned belt. Again, this is like not something that normally it sounds like she would have been wearing if you see pictures of her. So that was a little odd. And it also. Does not fit what someone would wear to a place like Joffrey's. I would assume
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> ballet only. I'm gonna go in a Bob, Bob Marley T-shirt and <laughs> sounds a like pink
1: great. alligator belt. Like, yeah, yeah, it sounds fun. It's fine. The next interaction Mytrice has is with the hostess, Caroline Paris Martin, and Caroline like openly talks to the police. So here's the thing: all of this from the moment Mytrice leaves work everything from here on out for the whole rest of the case is word of mouth okay everything is word of mouth caroline is going to give her w- w- reckonance of the events okay whatever her like recog- yeah recognance, that's the word i'm trying to say and then um later like when the valet is telling a story it's the valet's word okay and then later like when the police officer is telling the story it's the police officer's version there are very few things that we have concrete proof of like recordings and videos. And each time we do have those like concrete things, I'll warn you that like, this is something we know for sure. But 90% of this case is just like, here's what I saw happening. Well, here's what I saw. Well, here's what I saw. It's very Lauren Agey. So Caroline says she saw my trees talking with the valet talking about the language of numbers. She then tells him that she had came to Joffrey's to avenge Michael Jackson's death. Caroline thought that this is really weird, but she's like, I live in California. You meet a lot of really weird people like it's yeah, yeah that's fair. It's you know, it's a Thursday. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> it's a regular <laughs> Tuesday.
1: <laughs> My Trace asked the valet, is Vanessa here? And he's like, who the fuck is Vanessa? I'm like, what? I don't I don't know. of Vanessa. was there's a, who's Vanessa. <laughs> So he's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, I'm going to meet her. So keep your eyes out for the like, keep your eyes peeled for the girl with tattoos all over her arms. She's covered in sleeves. And he's like, right. Cool. okay, get right on that. And then she jumps out of the car and she goes up to the hostess and Caroline's like, Okay, hi, how many today? And she goes, oh, just one. Okay, And so Caroline seats her alone. Right. right? And then quickly after this, my trace is going to order. So now we also have like a was Vanessa real? Who's, who the fuck is Vanessa? Right. Okay. Which Vanessa sounds kind of like Tessa, if you're not paying attention.
0: But there True. is a Vanessa.
1: So. Hold, uh, oh, okay. But also there is a Tessa. You did this to me.
0: <laughs> like, just, I know nothing.
1: <laughs> just, uh, but I see. I I yeah. hear you. Yeah.
0: It could be misconstrued.
1: Very easily. So my Therese orders an Ocean Breeze drink for $12, which, do you know what Ocean Breeze always makes me think of? Hmm did you ever watch the movie red eye yes and she the the ocean breeze in the beginning and he's like you always get an ocean breeze i don't
0: remember Killian murphy well
1: That's anyways a great movie so the other day margie takes her first ever airplane ride guys i'm going to tell you this real fast i
0: still think it's zillion <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> and um we Come were walking through the airport right and i was like margie are you scared of planes she's like i don't know i've never ridden in one and i was like oh cool cool um, I'm not scared of airplanes, scared of airports. And she's like, what? And I was like, airports give me the heebie jeebies. And she's like, what? Why? And I was like, this one time before a flight, I watched Red Eye on repeat like six times. Why like, would you do that to yourself? I do Okay. And she's like, oh, does it take place in the airport? And I was like, the first five minutes the film does, the entire rest of the film is in the in plane. The, in the plane, yeah. And like all the shit happens in the plane. And she's like, then why are you scared of the airport? I was like, because she meets him in the airport. <laughs> And I was like, "That's where it all starts." If you don't meet anyone, then you're safe on the airplane. She's like, "That's not how that works, honey." And I was like, "It could be." So yeah, thank you, Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy for ruining my life. I'm scared of airports, not scared of planes, just scared of the port. Damn, it's Killian. It is. No, I I know it is. I've watched many A Killian interviews. He's in like everything I love. He is my favorite character, almost I would say, maybe tied in the Batman trilogy. Mm. scarecrow he's just the scariest i i love heath ledger and i love the joker but genuinely his character is better in those films and his acting is amazing so he's a very good actor oh oh, yeah if you
0: haven't seen oppenheimer i don't know what you're doing
1: he's in so many good things he's a great actor he's in dunkirk with the styles harold (laughs) harold (laughs) Okay, you have a problem. (laughs) I know I do. I have to bring him up at least every two hours on the dot, or I will spontaneously combust. (laughs) Okay. She orders an ocean breeze. The ocean breeze was twelve dollars, which I don't know for a drink. I don't think that's the most absurd pricing. What is an ocean breeze? I don't even know. Uh, I did know, but I don't. To me, it reminds me of like a fruity rum type drink, but I might be wrong. Drink. Oh. It's blue. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, yeah. Uh,
0: I can't ever pronounce that word. What the is blue, is it carousel? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Like, it's know. actually like really, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. That rum and lemonade. That's okay, all it so is. I was right. Probably delicious. Actually, that sounds and amazing. Then it's, it's sister version is the Bay Breeze. There's the ocean breeze <laughs> and the Bay Breeze. So if that one is... Rum. I'm gonna say the other one's maybe like a tequila version of it. Oh, I would think it would be like red. I don't know. It I, is red. I'm not yeah. talking about the fucking colors, Kylie. I'm it's, talking it about is the red. flavors.
0: It's <laughs> pineapple instead of.
1: Oh my god! What is the liquor?
0: I'm looking. It's not telling a shaky me. Bitch. The cocktail. So... Okay. babies, cocktail. How to make. Vodka. <laughs>
1: okay, vodka. But it is red, so we were both right. I haven't been a bartender <laughs> for a really long time. Same. So I was like trying desperately over here to remember what we had to do in mixology class. I'm trying very hard to not become a bartender <laughs> the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm very. Almost, yeah, I'm grateful where I feel like that part of my life is. I feel like any kind of food service is behind me. I've done all of them, and I feel like they're gone. Weddings are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, she also ends up getting a Kobe s- new steak. Okay. Yes. And it was $65. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. Sounds delicious. And then the valet charge was $5. So, with taxes and everything, her bill was $89.51.
0: Really not bad, honestly.
1: Okay. If but- we're talking
0: about a valet service only type of restaurant, that's really yes. not bad.
1: But for the type of things that she likes, this did not sound like her, everyone thought. And at one point, the hostess says she saw my tree get up and then she tried to, like, join another table. So there's this table nearby that has a party of seven people at it that are, like, loud and fun and having a good time. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I'm going to join them. <laughs> just like wedding crashers, but not. Yeah. Table crash. Table crashers. <laughs> now, some of those people in this group later will tell detectives that my tree seemed unbalanced and was speaking almost in riddles. Mm. They say that she was talking about going to Hawaii soon. And she'll she was like, I'll tell you guys when I get there, like as if they're like longtime friends. They said she was talking about astrological signs, number signs and many other random and odd things, which later I do put in like a a conversation between detectives and some of the party members. Now, eventually, my trace gets up to start trying to walk out of the restaurant because they they warn her. They're like, don't you need to go back to your table and eat? And she's like, yeah, I will. OK. So she goes back to her table and eats. And then eventually when the party of seven is leaving, she gets up and starts leaving. And Caroline or Carolyn, I don't know which is her name to be honest, but um, Caroline, the hostess and the manager at the time, like not the the whole building manager, but like the manager on duty Mm -hmm. is like, "Um, she's leaving. (laughs) So they're like, hey, you didn't pay. And she's like, well, I thought that party paid for my bill. And the manager tells my that's not what happened and that she would still need to pay to which she supposedly replied, like kind of playfully, like I guess I'm busted. What are we going to do now? The manager said <laughs> during the conversation, my just started staring at the computer screen as if in a trance when he showed her the, like how much she owed and stuff. In one interview, he says like she really focused on the number eight, but then in other ones he said she just focused on the numbers and then at one point she tells him she's from Mars. And if he wants, she can settle her debt with sexual favors. And then she starts emptying out her pockets to show that she has no money. And during that point, when she's emptying out her pockets, the manager says a joint had fallen out of my pocket. And he was like, oh no, what if she's on drugs? That explains everything.
0: Wow. That sounds... Can I start saying that to get out of shit?
1: Oh, no, I'm busted. What are we going to do? I'm from Mars. No, I'm from Mars. (laughs) Settle
0: my debts through sexual favors.
1: Such a wild turn. Yeah. Now, due to what staff and patrons at the restaurant described as bizarre behavior, plus the fact she was unable to pay her bill, and then the whole joint thing. They decided they were going to call the authorities, not even to be like, oh, my God, she's on drugs. It's crazy. Kind I mean, of- this is not your local like Chili's like this is a high end restaurant. <laughs> well, that and they were kind of like if she's acting <laughs> this weird, like walking around doing all this, what could she do behind the wheel of a car? Like, oh, yeah, that's fair. Like they're worried in a sense for her safety at this point is what they're saying. Yeah. So they called the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and get transferred over to the Malibu Lost Hills Station station. And they contact them saying they want someone to come out and assess her condition. You can find this recording. I'm just going to do it. So it's one of the girl workers. Some people say it was the bartender. Some people say it was Caroline, the hostess. So it was one of them. And the guy is Deputy Yolv Shalev. He says it really fast. And he says it like Shalev almost. But I I think it's Shalev. I don't know. He says... Lost Hills Sheriff Station, Deputy Shalove, can I help you? She says, hi, I'm calling from Joffrey's Restaurant in Malibu. We have a guest here who's refusing to pay her bill, and we think she may, she, she just sounds really crazy. She might be on drugs or something. We're wondering if someone could come by and pick her up. Deputy says, okay, well, what's the address there? She says, it's tw- uh, 27400 Pacific Coast Highway. And you can tell he's like jotting this down because he like takes a second in between each answer. Mm -hmm. And he says, Okay, is she a white, black, Asian, Hispanic? Like, and she goes, Oh, she's a young black girl. She's probably in her 20s. He goes, Okay, and what's she wearing? She says, She's wearing a black t-shirt and I think blue jeans. He goes, Okay, is she with anybody else? And she says, No, it's just her. Then around this time, My trees is talking to the hostess. That's why I think that could have been the bartender. And my says to Caroline, you know, I don't have to worry about my meal, Caroline, because God told me that it would be taken care of. And with the language of numbers, that makes sense. See, I was at work today and I saw that soap opera come on or the actress, you know, who does her thing. And I just knew I had to drive and I had to drive here. Weird. Uh. Caroline and the restaurant manager are like, okay, we're we're gonna get her bill paid. We're gonna start finding someone to pay Maitrece's bill real quick. And Maitrece says she doesn't have her cell phone, her wallet, or money on her because she left it in her car. And the only number off the top of her head she could remember was her great-grandmother Mildred, who she lived with. So they call Mildred. Mildred answers the phone and says, like, okay, I can't drive there. It's 40 miles away and I'm 91 years old. So how about instead I give you guys my credit card number and the restaurant's like, we can't do that because it requires a signature. Dumb. You wanted a solution. You got a solution. You got a and solution. You're mad that you have a solution. A- right. <laughs> so while still on the phone with Mildred, it's around 9 PM. Also, like they're asking She's Probably this 90, in bed. Yeah. Leave her alone. Year old, okay. Three officers arrive at the restaurant. They're the Lost Hill deputies, Frank Frank Brower, Armando Lurio and John McKay. They all show up and they say they're gonna administrate a administer a field sobriety test. But at that point, one of the like workers is like, she only ordered one drink though, just like a heads up. Like we don't think it's that she's drinking. Like that's not the thing here. One of the officers asks to speak to Mildred on the phone because he wants to tell her what's happening. And he wants to, like, notify her what's what's coming up. Like, hey, we're going to take her to the station because we think this is a concern. So this makes Mildred really concerned because, again, she's 40 miles away. It's late. And she's 90 fucking years old. Right. So then she asks if she can speak to my trace. So the officers hand the phone over to my trace. And Mildred said when my trace was talking to her, it just sounded like she wasn't aware of how serious things were. And it, like, wasn't connecting. Like, it just, like... She sounded like glassed over almost. Mm-hmm. And Mildred said, she specifically told my Teresa on the phone. She, she got real serious. And she goes, you put that phone close to your ear because they're getting ready to take your black ass to jail. <laughs> like she is mad at her great granddaughter right now. <laughs> well, absolutely. And she's literally trying to warn her of the severity of the situation because she's like, you are not grasping this. I am going to tell you what is happening. Like, right. Kid, stop. Right. Quickly after this, the phone call ends. So now Mildred calls Latice to tell her what's happening about the situation. And people are like, well, why didn't she call Latrice? And remember, she didn't have Latrice's number off the top Latice. of her head. Yes. <laughs> my Trice Latice. Yeah, good luck. Well, maybe it's Latrice. And I <laughs> fucked up the first time. At this point now, I'm questioning myself. Her mother. <sighs> Just say her mother. So that night, the owner of Joffrey's, who's Jeff Peterson, wasn't at the restaurant. So now also the restaurant's trying to get in touch with him Absolutely. because the employees are trying to tell him about like this situation that's unfolding with my trees. It's just a shit show. A lot of phone calls right now. Right. Now, before authorities and my trees leave to go back to the station, she all of a sudden mentions like she's like, by the way, my wallet's in my car. Like, <laughs> that's here that your valet moved. So two of the officers were like, oh, um, OK, let's go get that. So Officer McKay and Brower go to search my Teresa's car, which, remember, is like a fucking shit show of a mess. Right. They said they found several prescription bottles. I don't know if they were empty or not. Okay. Okay. They find an inhaler and then they find less than an ounce of marijuana, which they also found the joint earlier, remember? So later they say they found two full gallons of Smirnoff vodka and half a case of Tecate. Te- Kate, beer, and half a container of tequila in the trunk. I've never heard of that beer. Me neither. Interesting. Maybe it's a California thing. Maybe. According to the officer named Brower, he said he was informed by the other officer, the one that was going to be doing the arresting, Lorio, um, Lorio, mm-hmm. that Matrice was possibly drunk and making odd statements. Authorities administrated the field sobriety test at this point. And then Officer Brower checked Mitrice's eyes and pulse. They determined she did not seem intoxicated or even under the influence of any substance, but they decide to take her in for her own safety because they don't think allowing her to drive while acting in such an odd condition would be a good idea for anyone.
0: No kidding.
1: And at this point, also, like it's not even about the bill because now the off the officers the um workers at joffrey's were all like we'll just pay the bill like we are worried yeah, yeah they're like we're more worried about her mental health right now she seems to be going through something so it's not like a, oh this is the money thing yeah the arresting deputy lario lario Lur, yeah lario <laughs> yeah There's like that extra R there. (laughs) The extra R at the end is confusing. (laughs) Larry Rowe was ending his 17-hour double shift when he had responded to the Richardson call. So some people have a lot of beef with that because they think that he shouldn't have been doing an arresting, like, arrest. He should have been referring her in for a 5150 so she could have been properly evaluated. But instead, he handcuffed her and put her in the back of his patrol car to take into the station. Deputy Larry Rowe drove her over to the Malibu Lost Hills Sheriff Station about 20 miles away, where she would get booked, fingerprinted, and locked in a jail cell. So they're saying
0: like he was too tired, tired to, the to deal with all work. of that and the paper. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Now, at this point, her vehicle gets impounded, and her mother calls the Lost Hills Station to find out what's happening. And again, all of her stuff is in this vehicle right phone wallet money keys purse things her mother asks several times you can hear multiple recordings of her talking to people asking several times if my trace will be released that night cuz remember it's it she was at Joffrey's at 9 and now they've driven there and everything so it's probably like 10 or 11 at least at this point right and she keeps asking like is she is my daughter going to be released this night or the next day because it is dark out My daughter is not from there. I do not want my daughter outside alone at nighttime in this area since she is not from there and she doesn't know the area, especially with how she's acting. No clear. Yes, clearly. And also I hadn't mentioned it. Latisse has another daughter. Latisse has a daughter named Maya, who's 10 years old. And Latisse is like, oh, my gosh, like that's a really far way to drive. It's really late. It's really dark. My daughter's in bed like. I'm not being a bad mom. I genuinely just want to know. Because if so, I will get ready and go right now. Right. But if not, and she's like, if it's it's late and I don't want to come out that way at night, if she's not going to be released because I don't want to just sit there in my car for hours, because they're probably not going to let her just sit inside the cell for a while. Like, you know, so she's like, I just want to know, are you going to hold her there or what is happening? The deputy on the phone assured Latisse that Matrice would be safe at the station to this and that she was staying overnight. Her mother literally says, this is so fucking sad because you can hear her in the recording. She says, I think the only way I'll come and get her tonight is if you guys are going to release her tonight. She definitely, she's not from that area. And I would hate to wake up to a morning report. Girl lost somewhere with her head chopped off. Because otherwise I would just come there. And the officer on the phone tells her that's not the case because she will be staying all night in the jail. So fucking sad. It seems like that's not gonna happen. So the officers at the station said my trace was brought in originally what they thought were on the charges of a felony burglary. Oh yeah. Later they realize that's wrong and it gets reduced to a misdemeanor charges of failure to pay an innkeeper and possession of under an ounce of marijuana. The arresting deputy again, Larry Rowe didn't mention any unusual behavior or odd statements anywhere in his arrest report. Okay. Then, um, also my had a really clean record. So they realized that keeping her locked up overnight would have been a violation of their policy. What? Wait, how, because she had nothing. Okay. What? So my, that's tra- not how that works. My is in search by the, um, LASD jailer at the time named Sharon Cummings. And she gets put inside with a booking cell number one with another female inmate. Cummings then fingerprints my takes her mugshot, ran uh, like her warrants check to make sure there's nothing else. She realized there's no warrants. My has no criminal history, all that stuff. She does all these paperwork, right? Mm hmm. Which Sharon Cummings will later testify in de- 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 Deposition. depositions. Depositions. <laughs> She says she saw no signs of mental illness or instability and no one saw Maitresse acting crazy earlier that night. Oh, okay. Keep that in mind. Cool. She testified that she didn't see anything unusual about Maitresse's behavior. Is it because she sees nutheads every day? <laughs> like, what? Officer Cummings says Maitresse was coherent and polite and they discussed the type of music they like during the booking process. Mm. During her arrest, they gave Maitreese her phone call, like, like they're supposed to. But again, she's like, well, my phone is back in my car that's impounded. So the only phone number I know is Mildred, who I've already talked to. Right. So they said that Maitreese then made four phone calls to her grandmother from the jail booking area. And some of the LASD officers said they overheard her having a conversation. So, like, people remember this. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Mildred insists her phone never rang that night. She's a 91-year-old woman. She's probably sleeping. Sharon Cummings stated on record she personally walked and escorted Mitrice to the front of the station to use the payphone, though. It was later discovered that the payphone in the station lobby didn't work correctly, and there is a technician from the phone company that can confirm this. Oh. Oh. Okay. So here's how it doesn't work properly. It works. It'll place a phone call. Great. That's the point of a phone, right? Jail phones are different if you don't know this. Jail phones have these systems on them. The phones are supposed to record the number that you dial. They record the length of the phone call. And they record the actual phone call itself on your end and the other end. Mm -hmm. So that also if you say anything discriminating like against what you're calling about, they can be like, "Eh, gotcha. Right. So also if something goes wrong, you know, like they can look it up later. Okay. All that feature was broken. So like the phone made the phone call. So it
0: literally was a phone that made a phone call.
1: Yeah. And nothing else. But it didn't record the number. It didn't record the length. And it didn't record the actual phone call. So we have no verifications of any of the phone calls worked or went through or anything. For all they know, Mitrice literally stood there, picked up a phone, and then just talked to the dial tone. So that's part of it. But also people question the validity at all of if she even calls someone. Right. Because and this security footage is its own fucking thing I will talk about later. But (laughs) in the security footage, you don't see my trees ever actually dialing the phone. But in Sharon Cummings deposition, she said, honestly, she has no recollection of seeing the phone log where Richardson placed the calls. And it wasn't in the booking area of the station. So she doesn't even know. She doesn't know if that really happened or not. She can't say. But there is a booking slip where Officer Cummings signed, saying the alleged times of the phone call attempts. But again, no one else, no one else has that. Mm-hmm. And then later, Mitrice's grandma, Mildred, requests the records from the phone company, and supposedly there were no incoming calls that were received from the station at those times that day. I don't like that. Yeah. Now, Latice, her mom, ends up calling Deputy Yoav Shalev about her concerns for her daughter being released that night. Like, again, like she calls multiple times, like I said. I mean, she's worried. She's, worried she's very, very, very worried. And um, she asked if instead, is she going to be released in the morning? Or like, is she going to be released tonight? What is going to happen? And he said, she's going to be released in the morning. She's like, OK, I'm, I'm banking on that. I'm like, hold me to it in the morning. Well, that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, kind of in the morning, but not the right time frame, we're thinking. Uh So September 17th, 2009, at just after midnight, 1221 a.m., with no belongings, no means of calling for assistance, and no means of travel, they let her go. 1228. What'd I say? 21. Oh. Weird. (laughs) You just said 12 backwards. I know what 21 (laughs) is. There's this ongoing joke in the group chat right now, guys, that I don't know how to write, because turns out I don't know how to write. (laughs) I was making
0: a stencil. A really great story. And
1: I made the N backwards and the stencil after spending a long time making it. And Margie kept repeatedly being like, the N is backwards. I was like, no, it's not. That's how you make an N. And I fought her and fought her and fought her. And sadly, the most embarrassing part is I took a picture and sent it in the group chat. And then later, Corey's like, you know, your N is backwards, right? And I was like, I found that out. Like, I guess I don't know how to make that letter. The letter N is very difficult to make. Turns out. Turns out, I don't think I make it wrong though. I just don't make it right. right. <laughs> I make it backwards. I'm pretty I, sure that's I the definition like, of wrong. <laughs> when they have like the backwards letters. Oh man. So at this point, Deputy Shalev said that he actually gets off work. Now, uh, here's the thing he gets off work, and around that time was when that last phone call from Latisse gets placed. And he said he just happened to forget to tell the other officers about Latice's concerns for her daughter. Convenient. And it's those next officers that let Maitrice go. So they didn't even know that Latice was freaking out about it. Steve Whitmore, who is a spokesman for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, said Maitrice was released from jail because she exhibited no signs of mental illness or intoxication. She was fine and she's an adult. Supposedly, she was invited to wait in the lobby, but she declines the offer. So... Now, she signed a promise that she was going to return to Malibu at the courthouse on November 16th, 2009, and then she leaves out of a side door. And there's a whole conspiracy about the side door thing because they found out that someone left at the same time as her walking directly after her. And later it gets proven that it just happened to be someone literally walked out at the same time as her and then went a different direction as her. But people were like, what if that person kidnapped her, took her or like even offered her a ride because it was a sheriff. But luckily, um, or like another officer. But luckily, that officer has a concrete alibi. He's like, yes, I did leave at the same time as her, but I didn't even notice like who it was or the person. Oh, it was an officer. Yeah. Okay. She just happened to be leaving the um, jail at the same time. And he's like, I literally was responding to a call. And there is clear evidence of his vehicle going to the call, him being there around dozens of people, like things like that. Yeah. But that is like, at first, people really harped on that. They're like, what did that guy leaving at the same time have to do with this?
0: I mean, there's, re- there's recordings of everything kind in those of. areas. Hold like, on.
1: No, there's No, not. are you kidding me? Just wait. We haven't gotten to the footage, I hate Kylie. this. Why? <laughs> if the phone doesn't work, do you think the cameras work? Can things just work? <sighs> I can't. So my trees had no personal items, like I've mentioned numerous times, but I'm really trying to seal the deal so that you guys know this. She did not have her uh like wallet or anything. She did have her license on her and she had two keys that were in her pocket. I don't know if they were like a car and a house key or what, but she did have two keys on her. She didn't have her wallet, her phone or anything else, though. Officer Cummings said she did offer to let my tree stay in the lobby, like I mentioned, but my trees declined it and told her she was going to go meet with a friend. Okay. Now, again, remember, Matrice is not from around this area. She didn't hang out here. She had no phone, no possessions on her. What fucking friend is she going to go meet up with? <laughs> Vanessa. Also, like what friend <laughs> that maybe knew that she had just been detained by the police for hours and then just what waited for her the whole time? Vanessa. Okay. <laughs> the All made right. up friend. No, Vanessa's real. I know. It's, well, that's what's funny. Kinda, maybe, or she isn't. <laughs> okay. It's uh, moving on. Yeah. So at 5.35 a.m. the next morning, Latisse calls into the station like Mama Bear is up early. She's like, I'm gonna find out what happened to my baby. Oh, I would get this right. So fucking pissed. So 5.35 a.m. Latisse calls over the station to figure out what's going to happen that day with her daughter. What time she's released everything. She reaches the jailer, Sharon Cummings, who (gasps) informed her, my Trace isn't at the jail. Who you would
0: think would have said to the other officers. Hey, this shouldn't happen Mm -hmm.
1: until... The next day. Yeah. But yet here we are. So they said Latisse uh, had been released. No. They said that my my trees had been released and they tell Latisse this saying that she was released at 1215 a.m. that Thursday and she left shortly after. Latisse is really worried because my trees is over 40 miles from home in a place she doesn't know. To give an example of where she is, the closest open businesses were over a mile away out of view from the station. And there is nothing in between them except empty sidewalks and commercial buildings that are closed at nighttime. And again, it's this is a
0: jail too. like it's like out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, yeah, there's weird people over there.
1: You just never know. Uh, So Latisse gets off the phone with them and then Latisse calls back. She calls the station again. This time she speaks with Deputy Kenneth Baumgartner. There's going to be so many names. These names, man. Um, So she calls Baumgartner and she asks, how long before a missing persons report can be filed? Is it 24 or 48 hours? And you can hear this recording too. Mm -hmm. So this one we know for sure. He goes, "Uh, well, it depends on the circumstances. Normally, I wouldn't recommend doing one that soon. Since when do people recommend not doing a missing person? <laughs> I mean, what kind of police office? It's okay. Case by case. Latisse then breaks down the circumstances about how she was worried, like what happened, why she thinks something could have happened to her daughter, how her daughter doesn't know the area. Pretty much all the stuff I have literally told you 34 times now. Uh-huh. Baumgartner then says. You know, I guess probably 24 hours would be reasonable. I mean, (laughs) if there were some mitigating factors, you know, where you would suspect maybe something is not quite right. Oh, you know, you mean like everything? After (laughs) she just told him this whole story. So then, and she's emotional in this phone call. Later, she starts sobbing at one point in the phone call. And like, Mm -hmm. you have to listen to her through crying. Which I don't know if you guys know how hard it is to listen to someone cry while trying to talk to you. But if you need to know, go listen to Sandy Hook part two. Well, listen to part one first and then part two. But I sob a lot in that one. So Latisse goes, well, yeah, there's like a mitigating factor. Are you kidding me? She doesn't know the area. She's never been in your area before. Baumgartner goes, uh, I'll probably wait till, you know, early morning. If she doesn't turn up, you can certainly call. I love how he's like, if she doesn't turn up, is she gonna walk the fucking forty miles back? She's
0: just gonna randomly
1: <laughs> open the door, and be like, "Hey, what like, What up, She's girlie? not from here. She's not going anywhere. She's not just gonna pop up out of the blue. She's actually going back to Joffrey. She's gonna be like, mm, I, I left my car here." So Latisse tells him she believes her daughter might be highly depressed or in a depressive state. He goes, "Why don't you wait a couple hours?" Give us some time to make sure my Trace isn't, like, asleep in the lobby or something. Then, why don't you give us a call back in a couple hours. If she hasn't shown up or made contact with you, then maybe we can do something for you. Okay. What are the police officers? <laughs> this station needs closed down.
0: <laughs> Bro. Doesn't
1: work. The people don't work. I don't know what's the happening. Recordings? No, those what don't. Those?
0: those? Those don't. Those don't happen. That's not a thing that they do at jails. uh uh-uh.
1: We don't need... Evidence. No evidence. Nah. So it had been approximately five hours since my trees had been released, and a person that was matching her description was seen on a property in Montenido neighborhood of Dark Canyon, which is where she is. Dark Canyon sounds ominous. The so hum- does Montenido.
0: Yeah, like Nito, like neat, like Nito, like that's seven, Nido. yeah. <laughs> like the
1: 70s neato we both even did the yeah. little peace <laughs> sign neato. neato the homeowners called the station and reported the incident and a patrol car was dispatched to the location deputies allegedly searched the area and had no success of seeing anyone allegedly yeah several hours after she had been released at this point now at 6 30 a.m she might have been seen in the backyard. <gasps> Of former KTLA news anchor, Bill Smith in Monty Nito. Bill and his wife, Karen, told Eyewitness News that they saw her from their upstairs bathroom window sitting on. So they're they're in their upstairs bathroom. They look out their window and they have these like railroad ties in their yard at one area. And they see that she's laying kind of like sitting down on the top step of the six railroad ties that they have in their backyard. And he says he saw a person in the backyard that he described as a slim black woman with Afro hair. Bill then opens the bathroom window and asks her if she's okay. My tree says, I'm just resting. If it is tree, but everyone says it looked just like her. Uh-huh. He then went to move to a different window so that he could see her better and call authorities. But when he moves to this other window from the time he like is in the one window and then he gets to the other window, she's gone. And he's like, okay, then. Well, then they call the deputies, right? And um, when he does, the deputies are like, oh, okay, we're gonna come out there, right? And by the time they do, they don't see anyone either at all. She was just gone. And there's this thing where like, you think you see someone and you think they're in a certain area. And um, when that happens, I don't know if it's always called the same thing, but I'm thinking... um, Have you ever seen, do you watch The Office? Yes. There's this one episode where um, Michael Scott like runs away from The Office and Pam's out searching for him. Yes. And she's like, I'll put out an APB, which is like when you're searching for someone. But then she's like, get it and ask Pam Beasley. And Jim's like, no, yeah, I heard you. It just wasn't funny.
0: (laughs) Well, That's a good one. They like, yeah. Go (laughs) to where Michael would go. And yeah. Yeah. And he goes to the Chinese restaurant and everything else.
1: Yes. So. What they call it in their area is a be on the lookout. Okay. Okay. But they don't issue the be on the lookout. They don't issue this alert for another six and a half hours. So it's like noon? Uh, I guess. Okay. Now at this point, Latisse had already called into the police station. Of course. And she's trying to file a missing persons report because she's like, fuck that guy. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyways. For real though. And... She's pissed because she says it seemed like there was no urgency from the deputies. Now, Bill and his wife weren't the only other sighting, though. Another time, a woman matching Maitrice's description was cited by a witness. They thought she was walking along Malibu Canyon Road at 7.30 a.m. Then another witness recalled seeing a person that kind of also was described as Maitrice Richardson that was walking on Pioma Road at 1.30 p.m.
0: Well, those are very different. Those are very different times. times.
1: <laughs> now, the sheriff's department waits two days mm-hmm. to start conducting their first search. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And rather than deploying scent dogs from the station to determine if she had gotten a ride, if she walked six miles to where Montenito was, by the way, six miles in the dark in the desert. <laughs> in a place she has no idea where she is yeah right they instead just decide they're gonna start at the location last scene maybe they'll start at bill smith's house right so they found tracks of my sneakers what looked like the van's print in the ground because van's print is very indistinguishable that's true so they see these sneaker tracks and it looked like she had been running they said which she did get away in the time it took him to go to another window so that yeah okay mm-hmm. um but then they said they lost the pattern among shoe and hoof prints fewer than 100 feet away from dark canyon <laughs> excuse me and the officers said they didn't want to hike into dark canyon now here's another thing i love advocate advocating devil's devil's way devil's advocate if you will <laughs> uh-huh. and what if her experience at the jail was so mind-boggling or something to where when she gets seen and she's like, I'm just resting. And then she sees that guy moving. She's like, oh, shit, they're going to take me back to the jail. Mm. What if that's why she went running? What if that one actually is the logical one? That's the only one that I kind of have a solution for. But she's like, oh, shit, I'm trespassing and stuff like ooh, uh, I'll just go. <laughs> and then she runs away. Well, it
0: would but freak you out like it's it was like 615. The of the night. It was like 615 a.m., right?
1: Which also, though. That makes me believe she was still in the psychotic break concept. Because otherwise, wouldn't you have just knocked at the door and been like, I'm so sorry. I know it's 6 a.m. But if you see the bathroom lights on and stuff and you see house lights, at least you would think potentially someone's awake also. But you could have been like, I'm really sorry. Here's the circumstance. Uh, I'm away from home. Can I just like call someone? Like anything. If if
0: he asked me if I'm okay, I'd be like, no, I actually really need to like contact my mom.
1: Yeah. Or something. Because that's the only number she has. But still. Right. And another thing is it's not like this is back in nineteen eighty and she's the night stalker being like, let me come in your house to use your phone. <laughs> cell phones existed. It's two thousand nine people. Right. He could have been like, uh, I don't feel comfortable with you coming to my house because I have, you know, kids or whatever I have. I have a life. And he's like, I will bring you my cell phone. You can stand on the porch. Yeah. You can sit on those ties and I will come out. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there were okay. I agree. At this point, the LAPD started to handle the missing persons investigation since Matrice lived in South Los Angeles. And that's LAPD. But then where she goes missing is not LAPD jurisdiction. So it gets a little messy. Of course. So Eyewitness News obtained audio recordings of the interviews that the detectives did with people at the other tables. Now, what that group was of like seven people, they were all co-workers at a mortgage company in Woodland Hills. So that's um, even more weird. <laughs> like here's this person
0: just joining so, us as coworkers.
1: Here is these conversations. Okay. So David Salgado talks first and he says, "This young lady just sat down next to one of my coworkers." Some of the people chose not to give their names, by the way. Another person says, "Yeah, just sat there and looked around and I was thinking, is this a waitress? Do we know her?" Then a person named Anthony says, "When she came to the table, She had a some sort of some sort of fruity drink, like umbrella type drink, fruity type. David Salgado said there was something obviously wrong with her, but we knew she wasn't being malicious. The detective said, obviously wrong, meaning (laughs) David Salgado says the way she was babbling something mentally. The detective said, so she had some mental issues. David Salgado said she had a mental issue. Another person said. It just didn't seem like someone that was drunk. Again, she wasn't slurring her words. A guy named Jim says she really could not string, you know, like intelligent thoughts together. Something about cracking a code and that the voices. We said, are the voices talking to you now? <laughs> How do you like deal with that situation in the moment? You're like, uh, are you OK? So. She's having a mental break, right? Like, we can all agree? Okay, okay. So three days into the search uh, of searching now, they get reassigned. So it's no longer LAPD. It's LAPD Robbery Homicide Division. Of course. Because officials explained their office probably had better resources. So then LAPD gets a hold of some journals from Mitrice's Honda Civic that was taken in. And they conclude that she had been sleep deprived for several days and maybe she was suffering from a bipolar episode the night of her arrest. Police at this point finally find her ATM card, her checkbook, her cell phone, all these things in her car because they were finally able to like really look since it was Mm -hmm. so messy. On September 20th, 2009, three days after Maitrese's official disappearance, the Lost Hills Station Lieutenant Scott Chu sent an email over to his supervisor was Captain Thomas Martin, and he was outlining his concerns for the arrest and release of Maitreese. No, concerning, nah, that's not what it is. And the email subject line is I spoke with Larero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, in this case file, Chu claims he doesn't remember talking or writing to Larero at all, though. That's even though the title of the email is I spoke with Larero. Okay. Then okay. La- yeah. Then Larrero says, yeah, he doesn't recall ever talking with Chu either. Maybe he was going to talk to him. And that he said that Mitrice was of sound mind at Joffrey's. He also denies that him and De- Deputy Brower ever performed the sobriety test because he said he didn't need to because Mitrice was just making so many odd statements. Then a well-placed source provided the contents of the email and like outed them. And in the email... Chu says that the arresting officer, Deputy Larrero, had booked Maitrese, quote, because he wanted to make sure she was all right. She was a little ditzy at Joffrey's, and a deputy had checked in with her for intoxication. She wasn't drunk, but Larrero felt she was acting unusual and was uneasy about letting her go. He said, in the end, Larrero brought her in because of his instincts. The fact that she disappeared validated his instincts. And then, I mean, then Chu concluded the email by rationalizing the missteps that led to Mitrice's disappearance. He said, quote, at the station, it became obvious she was well-educated and intelligent. So there was nothing to justify keeping her overnight. Five days after Chu sends this email, the Lost Hills issued an addendum to the sobriety test and they reiterated that Maitreese appeared to be entirely aware of her surroundings and did not seem confused. Three weeks later, in October, the Sheriff's Department spokesman, Steve Whitmore, declared to the public that Maitreese exhibited no signs of mental inca- incapacitation whatsoever.
0: I didn't know you could do an addendum to a sobriety test, especially when you don't have the person there, I guess. you Like, what? You did it in the moment. Yeah. That's like the moment.
1: You don't addend something that. No. Okay, moving on. In the meantime, the sheriff's department and the LAPD's personnel started chasing false leads from all the way from Beverly Hills to Chino Hills. In November of 2009, my appeared on the cover of People magazine finally. So like this is the first time any of it's getting traction. But this is November. She's been missing for months at this point. Right. Again, white woman syndrome. They're saying like, this should have been on the news day one. During this time, there was a search for my trees happening in the canyon. Finally. So the search was headed up by Sergeant T. Wright, who was head of the Malibu Search and Rescue. And he was in charge of all searches in this area. And there's a reason they need like a specific person in charge. This place is no fucking joke. During the first search in 2009, Sergeant Wright initially stopped the canines after they had picked up on Mitrice's scent. People were like, that's suspicious. Then initially the search was scheduled for two days. And when the dogs did pick up her scent, he decided that on the second day, the dogs don't need to return. He said the dogs were too tired. Oh, D- OK, You <laughs> hold on. <laughs> working dogs don't get tired like that okay that's what they do they love working a few months later during another search that same guy right intentionally led a drone operator away from a certain area they were supposed to be searching and it's the place where later my traces remains get found and he's like we don't need to search that area i hate him Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Now, Dr. Rhonda Hampton, who if you remember that name from earlier, mm-hmm. so she's a clinical psychologist from Diamond Bar and she worked with Trace on her therapy and then Trace ends up later like um, interning with her and stuff. She asks Sergeant Wright why he's not directing the drone towards the area and he says, we'll get to it eventually. So he's racist. I don't know. He's just the worst. He doesn't do his job right. So in the same week, this as these searches, Dr. Hampton starts, she, she's on it. She's working this case now. Mm-hmm. She initiates contacts with the, at the time Sheriff Lee Baca. Because here is a big change to this event is there was a sheriff and he was white and during the Mitrice, uh search and everything, a new sheriff takes over that is black. And a lot of people are like, oh good, maybe it'll get more traction. Plot twist, it, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> Damn it. Now they want to have an effort to seek accountability for anyone involved in her arrest and release saying that it seemed like there had to have been some sort of corruption in the department that made the case unsolvable. Clearly. Sheriff Baca does agree with Dr. Hampton saying he believes the case is mishandled by his officers. And it sounds like Baca's kind of a helpful person here, but three months after my disappears, um, Baca does some shady shit. <laughs> The Congresswoman at the time, Waters, calls the FBI and sees if they want to get involved in this case. And Sheriff Baca says, no, we don't need the FBI's help. Don't you, like, not have a choice? I thought that, too. You don't have a choice. The FBI can do whatever the fuck they want to. And then it's. (laughs) you don't know who Baca is because obviously most of us aren't just like following up on this man's life. Mm -hmm. Baca later ends up serving time in federal prison because he lied to the FBI with obstruction of justice in a different case with the probe of abuse and corruption inside the sheriff department jails. So he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love this. Now, one of the ongoing arguments at this point that Latisse was trying to desperately, which is her mom, press against the sheriff's department was the footage of my trees at the patrol station that night. She's like, there's got to be cameras. It's a police station, right? Right. You would assume. And they kept being like, yeah, that doesn't exist. There's no footage. I hate, I hate everything about that. Now the Richardsons were told multiple times there's no video of her in custody and they have no surveillance. Four months later, Four months after my trace had disappeared, in a meeting between Sheriff Lee Baca, the captain of the Malibu, Lost Hills team, Tom Martin, and the family, they're all of a sudden like, well, wait, wait, wait. You wanted to see the video footage of my trace? Oh, we have that. I hate everyone. <laughs> She's <was> like, <laughs> What? What? They're like, Okay, well, this is on you, not on us. You fucked up here. When you told us you wanted video footage. Um, we weren't hiding anything. It's that you said, hey, can I have video footage of my trees leaving the station? So we thought you meant footage from the outside of the building, which our outside cameras don't work. But we have footage of her inside the station. You just didn't ask for footage inside. That's I hate your it. fault. I really. Hate I
0: hate I hate all all people.
1: And the family's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, seriously. Cool. So they're really concerned why it took like three to four months to get this footage right because when they do receive this footage finally guess what it's It's altered and edited yep now at first the station's like well yeah we cut all the other footage out around it like your daughter was only here for five hours we gave you five hours worth of footage type thing like we cut you know the previous day 20 hours and the previous night 20 hours we gave you that and she's like but you didn't here's some of the reasons why they say that there's like this one part where my trace has like a paper in her hand and she either like crumples it up or she drops it or something. And then like in the next clip, the paper is just magically gone as if it never existed. And she's like, OK, something was cut. What was that paper? Where where did that paper go? Paper just doesn't vanish. Right. when It touches the ground. Right. Another thing is everyone keeps being like my Trace wasn't acting odd. My Trace wasn't odd at the station. Remember all that? She's literally hanging from the bars in her cell shouting acting out and like screaming in parts and like freaking out so it's just interesting that she's like you know not acting weird or suspicious whatsoever but i don't know to me someone hanging like from the bars in their cell freaking out is a little suspicious weird yeah i mean definitely odd yeah and also they won't release this footage to the public at all which i do have mixed feelings on that like I want to be like, ugh, that's fucked up. I want to see it because I want to try to solve something. But at the same time, I have firsthand, like almost anyone in the true crime world has seen also like, OK, there was don't fuck with cats. I'm going to talk about famous cases. Don't fuck with cats. I haven't seen it. Footage was released and it helps catch them. Right. Luca gets caught because of this. But then there is the Cecil Hotel. Footage was released. And it almost got the wrong person put in prison for life because people were like, oh, my God. And they thought they had evidence of something that they didn't. So I kind of get it. Mm. I, I understand because what happens is keyboard warriors, Internet warriors and people that study true crime for a living on the Internet, like even us, we will think we have the answers. And guess what? We had something wrong and the issue is is it's so much easier to get that wrong information spread than the truth. And then it's also hard to recoil those state re- recoil with those statements and stuff. Because I mean, we've talked about it before. There is a podcast that um I'm not going to say their name. However, there's a true crime podcast that is extremely um popular. Like uh-huh. I would say it's one of the most popular potential True crime company peoples,
0: and they <laughs> company have like
1: peoples. they have hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh-huh. They have billions of streams, quite literally. They average out like over a over hundreds of. I think it's over five hundred thousand minimum listens per episode. Okay, uh-huh. they have. Openly given wrong information that has gotten people harassed, bullied, and almost like ruined cases before. They they also covered the Panama missing girls, the Dutch Panama girls, mm-hmm. and they openly used wrong information in the case. I hate that things like that don't do that. Um. <laughs> so I understand how things can get misconstrued. Yes, if but you I, don't, I don't.
0: I don't. Um. So I because of laziness. No. Yeah. So I don't know. So this one's a little messy. Okay. Just I feel like you don't have any. You know how like you go to work, you're like, wow, today sucks. Today's a really bad day. You can't do that when you're in law enforcement. No, you you can't. You don't get any bad days. You get you you call you call off if you're having a bad day because the shit's annoying
1: and and completely avoidable. Yeah. And I mean, another thing is if we could see just part of that footage, you know how some people could find that one thing? Oh, absolutely. Like they could find something very obscure that could tie someone to something or, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. But other
0: things could be incriminating. And so, you know.
1: I, fine, I guess. But at the same time, what if that would be the one thing that could just solve the case? Yeah. And you never know because they're not willing to give anything out. One day we'll be able to like just
0: get footage back somehow, some way. Mm. I have faith. It'll happen.
1: Do you? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. This one makes me worried. Then four months after she's reported missing. Okay. On January 9th, 2010. Three days after my 18th birthday on, um, what's that girl from the Vampire Diaries? Dobrev? Mm-hmm. Nina? Nina Dobrev. That's her birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> get that Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta get it going. Um, on January 9th, her birthday. Um, almost four months after uh, my trace was reported missing, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department Conducted one of the largest scales history searches at this point in the history of their department. It had 300 volunteers that were trained in searching and rescue operations that participated in an 18 square mile search of the area of Malibu Canyon and Dark Canyon.
0: That's a lot of people that are trained in
1: that. Yeah. And the search. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Corey. (laughs) The search included both air and ground search. Wow. In creeks, trails, and ridges as well. And they had horseback, ATV, bikes, dogs, and helicopters at this point. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, finally. Finally. and Four months later. Yes. It's literally like 2010, and she went missing in 2009. This this is ridiculous. So in 2010, not long before the remains were discovered, the searchers did find something else. They found some racially and sexually offensive graffiti on the walls of a culvert, which I didn't know what that was, but they're the waterways in the Canyon where they have those like concrete mm-hmm. waterway, like mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like all the kids have sex in, in it, in the <laughs> book. Okay. So one of those things and the graffiti was freshly painted with spray paint cans that they found brushes and other potential evidence at the scene. And it was very, like, racially charged and it was very womenly aggressive okay then in april of 2010 latice finally gets to watch that footage that she begged for in april wow she says she was alarmed because she could tell right away something was wrong she says in the video which hasn't been fully released that Maitrice kind of loses it And she's grabbing onto this like meshing thing at one point. And it looks like she's trying to break it down and trying to get out somehow. And she says the whole video is bizarre. Also, as this search was continuing, the investigators look around because they hear some rumored sightings. And they're like, "Okay, we'll follow through on that. You know, we won't let the the dogs work for two days in a row, but we're going to go all the way to Las Vegas where we hear a sighting about her. No big deal. So they have a possible rumored sighting in July 2010 where a high school friend of my Treece says they reported seeing her at a Las Vegas casino. They the police took this report very seriously and they try. Um, it didn't pan out. And actually, like even her dad at one point, like her Michael dad uh-huh. says at one point, he's like, I think I saw her in Vegas, too. And he like starts yelling her name and the girl never looks at him or anything. But then she disappears into a crowd the moment he finds her. And he's like, that was weird. Hmm. And these are all in the, around the same time. Because also, when that story broke, the Las Vegas Police Department receives word for almost 70 other people with alleged sightings of what looked like Maitrece in Vegas. And like the LA sheriff investigators start traveling all the way to Vegas for a joint agency press conference. And they claim that what if Maitrece was being held captive by white supremacists in Las Vegas? Which, okay. Also, that's that thing where, like, I feel like when some people see it, that's all you want to see type thing. And yeah, but also that is a really easy place to get lost in the world. So, okay, On July 9th, 2010, one month before Rangers will eventually find my body, the Genico office issued a confidential report to the board. It was a 58 page document and it ends up getting leaked right after my remains are discovered. So now you can read this 58 page document. Guess who read it? <laughs> I'm guessing you did. All the time. <laughs> In the OIR, they declare that Mitrice's questionable behavior includes going to a restaurant, ordering a meal, parking a valet, and leaving without means to pay. But they say, and do not acknowledge, that Deputy Larero had alleged remarkings about Mitrice's odd statements. Also, the OIR determines that the Lost Hills deputies didn't endanger Mitrice by releasing her, and cites that that's not in the sheriff's manual. Okay. And there's there's a lot more in that. Like, they state these other big deals and stuff like that. But, like, that's that's the biggest ones. On August 9th, 2010, after my trees had been missing for 11 months now, some rangers are out and they find human remains. They find a skull. So it's really weird kind of how this goes about. So the State Parks and Mountains Recreation and Conservation Authority, also called the MRCA, they were out and they were patrolling because here's the thing. um, Dark Canyon had some illegal uh, Mexican cartels growing pot and they had recently gotten shut down and caught. And people were afraid that there was still some remnants or that people were going back or that they were going to try to come back. Mm -hmm. So... There was this marijuana eradication team, and it was part of the MRCA, and they kept sending them out every so often, sporadically, to like different areas to just like check up. And that's what was happening that day because they were checking out an area that was nearby where they had shut down one of the marijuana farms. Bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> Guess the fuck what? They instead find a fucking human skull. Right. Okay. So there they find Matrice's body naked and mummified partially. Her skull and spinal cord were detached and found separately from the rest of her body, and her clothes were scattered throughout the ravine. It was approximately 1 p.m. when they found the human remains, and they contacted the park officials via, via a radio transmission because they had no cell coverage in the area, which, like, makes logical sense. So the park officials then contact the Lost Hill Station, and at this time, the deputies are dispatched to the scene. But no official time of that call was recorded. And P.S. None of the Lost Hill Station police assisted in the search to find the remains when they are finally found. Only this like MRCA company is. Okay. So then Mitrice's mummified remains were found near slash partially in a creek bed in Dark Canyon, which was 6.5 miles away from the patrol station where she had left. And remember, they searched like a 16 to 18 mile area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was near a 21-acre ranch that would have like separated her. So they wouldn't have found her anyways. This ranch is known for producing porns and it's called Porn Ranch. Oh okay. it has a lot of seclusion, but it does have direct access to the creek bed. Something I wanted to find out was if that um inlet thing where the graffiti was was on porn ranch mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And I will or say like, went to it. <laughs> yeah. I looked on a map and it looks to me like it was on the property. No way. But it was far away. And it was not necessarily in the exact same direction. Like if you look at where Porn Ranch is, where that inlet thingy was and where like her body is in the creek, they're like a triangle. They are not like one's on the way to the other type thing. So I I don't know. But it's very difficult because it's hard to see the exact like where the properties end and stuff like that, because it's out in the middle of nowhere. At this point, Tashika Starwall from the React team, um, the family and the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, OK, the LASD and the family all arrive approximately at 245 around the site. The local media and the LASD's public information officer named Steve Whitmore were on the scene already by the time the actual LASD arrive. The LASD's Air 5 helicopter airlifts LASD homicide detectives and the members of the search and rescue team into the ravine where they were first on the scene at that point now. Air 5 was supposed to then airlift the coroner's team to process the scene, but the helicopter already got diverted twice to rescue stranded hikers that were miles away, and by that time, when the helicopter returns, they said the sun was setting and the Air 5 was going to be running out of fuel. So they couldn't bring the coroners. Now, guess what? Oh, my God. The family's like, OK, so what are you going to do with my Teresa's body? And repeatedly, the LASD tells the family they won't be removing the body till morning because it's nightfall. Soon. I would be like, bullshit. That's what you said last time. I'm coming now. Literally. <laughs> so Dr. Hampton shows up and she's with the family. And then she's on like this other side of this area. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I saw Air 5 come back. I see a gurney basket being hoisted up into the helicopter. And like in one report, she's like, I just knew. And I said out loud, I was like, there goes my Trace's body. Mm -hmm. They took it without the coroners. Like random people loaded up that body. We're not going to get evidence now. Like she knew. Then the coroner's report states that the LASD homicide detectives decided on their own accord to collect the remains and airlift them out against the direction of the assistant chief coroner, Ed Winters.
0: Because, you know, you, like, train for that shit. Like, you don't just, doesn't like, matter. move a bot. Bi- no. no,
1: Okay. doesn't matter. Okay. Authorities claimed they were nervous that an animal could potentially ruin the crime scene, and that's why they have to remove the body. I'm sorry, but you guys did shoddy police work. The body's been for there For 11 months! Go yeah. fuck yourselves. That's just ridiculous. So, the LASD homicide detective- later told investigators he thought he had permission from a different member of the coroner's team, and that's why he did it. Okay, cool. Some residents in the area said they reportedly heard screams in that area several nights after Matrice had disappeared, that like months before. But guess what? That doesn't get put in the reports. No, of course not. That's just common sense. Yes. Yeah, her death was deemed to have no foul play and was not ruled as a homicide. From there, it somehow gets worse. Like, you thought that was the worst of it? No, wait. There's more. of course not. The next day, the coroner's team tried to return to the scene, but they didn't bring anyone who had been at the site the day before, and the reason they tried to return is because they don't have all of Mitrice's bones. my goodness. So, they didn't bring anyone who had been there before. Neither the homicide detectives or the search and rescue team members came with them. So the coroner's team couldn't find the site where my remains were originally found. So initially, the coroner's team claims they had been dropped in the wrong canyon by the Air 5 <laughs> helicopter. Okay. A later investigation reveals that the coroner's team actually had also forgotten a GPS device that had the site coordinates, and that was on the board of the helicopter. So when they were trying to find it, like even off the helicopter, they couldn't then either. <laughs> okay. It's just a fucking shit show. Literally. On August 25th, 2010, two weeks after the coroner's team finally returns to the actual correct site, they find nine more of my traces' bones that were never collected. Then in February of 2011, Dr. Hampton one day is like out walking around because she's like, I'm going to go to where the scene of the crime is just to walk around again. And she notices something on the ground and she like looks at it. It's a finger. A finger bone.
0: Oh, my God. And they
1: take it and they test it. It's my Teresa's. Of course. This is February 2011 at this point. Right. My Teresa's parents have maintained that their daughter should have never been released on her own. And that that's part of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's problem. In 2011, the Richardson family settled a civil lawsuit with L.A. County privately for $900,000, which is not. Not a lot. At all. Nope. Her mother said the authorities should have recognized her daughter's erratic behavior as abnormal and given her a mental health evaluation, if nothing else. Her father said she should have been placed on a 72-hour psychiatric hold rather than being released.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's also discussed when the case is looked at um, that the area her body is found and the distance she traveled. How did Mitrice get into the canyon? Because Dark Canyon is so rugged. Again, this is very Lauren Agey sounding. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mitrice's loved ones and, like, the doctor and all that, they couldn't get there on their own. They had to be escorted by the Malibu search and rescue team when they wanted to even memorialize the site where her bones were found. So they can't just, like, go to it. No, because the terrain is so treacherous, they have to be outfitted with helmets, protective suits, using ropes and harnesses just to get over giant boulders. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. More shocking things happened though. On the day when Mitrice was about to be buried, Klee Koff, the forensic anthropologist who was helping the family flew in to conduct her own independent examination. So she gets the body to be re-dug up. And in Mytreece's body bag, she finds another bag of Mytreece's clothing that had never been sent to the crime lab for testing. What? Okay. Yeah. Mytreece's socks, shoes, panties, and shirt were never found, they said. Same with most of her bones. Like, the hyoid, hyoid bone in her neck which could indicate if a person was strangled. Mm. It's just missing. Okay. Never been found. They didn't mention this to the point where also like they just they didn't note things in the coroner report. There was jewelry intertwined in Teresa's hair and there was insect casings and none of this was collected or tested or anything. Now, when found, at one point they noticed that Teresa's left arm was tightly flexed against her chest suggesting that she could have been confined and wrapped up at one point, or like bound. There were also some pictures that were taken by the rangers and ultimately given to the coroner later, and those images have not been disclosed publicly, but sources say that her remains generated more questions than we've had answers. Oh, I wonder why. Things like her right leg was caked in soil and sprouting weeds, and it sat about two yards upslope from the rest of the body atop a mound of dry vines. The femur of her leg had been removed from the soft tissue, and it's as if it had been pulled from the top of the thigh, like pulled out. Mm -hmm. There's also nothing but a narrow duct where one of her bones should be, like it's just missing. Moreover, the leg bone area bore no signs of having been ravaged by animals, which in any case something to drag that like type of bone uphill rather than downhill and stuff would have had to been dragged by an animal, not just like the wind brushed it up there. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of like diotlov Passy type. Um, it, the, the way where her bones are found and stuff does not make sense. It couldn't have made sense. And that's what they're trying to say. And the fact that they're all like separated from one another and all that stuff. And they're just like cool with it. Yeah. Like meh. The Richardson family fought to have Mitrice's remains exhumed and re-examined at that point in July of 2011, but they got no answers. I think it was July 13th they dug it up, but I don't remember. Now, the Richardson family asked the California Attorney General's office to review the sheriff's office handlings of the case because they said she had not been released from jail and things were suspicious. In November 2015, 2015, six years later. Wow. After reviewing 500 pages of documents that were sent in with the request, the Office of California's, California's Attorney General, who at the time was Kamala Harris or whatever her name is, our fucking VP right now, our vice president. Excuse me? Yeah, she's the one that looks this over. She replies saying she did not find anything that could be constituted for a ground for criminal charges against the sheriff or deputy.
0: Because she looked at it and saw all of the re- recordings of the yeah. people that are stupid and didn't she do their all job. She saw 500
1: pages. Our vice president back then. Well, ba- now. now she is. Right. Back then she was attorney general and said, nope, this is not a suspicious case. Doesn't that make you feel really annoyed? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about things that she did like that, though, when she worked that specific career. So we're not going there. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> this is there. part one, girl. <laughs> I finally I finally bring it up, though. So, in January 2016, the California Attorney General's Office reversed itself and announced it was going to begin a criminal investigation of the case. In 2016. Right. But by December 30th, 2016, so at the end of the year, the California Attorney General's Office again concluded there's insufficient evidence to support any criminal prosecutions or anyone involved in the handlings of this case. Oh, I wonder why. Maybe it's because people didn't do their jobs. In 2023, the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors met and reestablished a $20,000 reward offered for the information leading to a conviction in the death of Mitrice Richardson. $20,000 is not enough. That's not. But then the Board of Supervisors initially had actually offered a $10,000 reward for information in 20, um, 2009, 2009, and that was before her remains were found. It was reestablished in 2010 and then again in 2021. So I don't know if those two like piggyback and make it 30,000 or if it's just 20,000. Yeah. But yeah, they keep repeating it being like, we're still asking. Right. To rule causes of death out. You usually have to rule everything in it and like process of elimination. Right. Right. Yeah. The LASD deemed they determined to de- deny trace's death being the result of a crime instantly. They instantly said like that couldn't have been it. So we're going to say why. Mm -hmm. This is probably the wildest part of the whole case because we're almost done. (laughs) Lieutenant Ronson and others cited the possibility of she just actually went into anaphylactic shock from going through too much poison oak as one of the causes of her death. The occurrence does happen. Like, that does happen, actually. Yeah, how'd she get there, though? But it's so rare that they don't even have reliable statistics of how often it happens. But it has happened a few times.
0: How would she get to the ravine, then? She booked it. She huffed it there. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm.
1: Then they suggested that maybe my trace wandered into Dark Canyon and became one of the two people who die each year in California from a rattlesnake bite. Again, how did she get to the area that she was found in? She... Also, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to, like, do any sort of, uh, ravine climbing in vans. No. But here's the thing. Absolutely not. This one time... (laughs) I thought that I had my climbing boots in the back of my car and I get to a state park where I was going to be climbing a lot uh-huh. through waterfalls uh-huh. and mud because it had rained that morning mm-hmm. and I had vans. I'm sorry that that happened to you. <laughs> and do you want to know the fuck What? I busted my ass numerous times (laughs) falling and things. Those shoes, even though they got rubber bottoms, have zero traction. Yep. And you cannot fucking get up little hills and shit with those, let alone a canyon and a ravine.
0: They're actually so slippery.
1: They are. I love them. Absolutely horrendous. I love them, though. I like Converse. I like both. I like Converse more. Mm. But it was. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh-huh. As for the whole Maitrece's body being found naked, let's discuss that. Okay. Rawson, the same guy, said animals removed her clothing. <gasps> now <laughs> you've got to be
0: kidding me.
1: Given the location of where her clothing was, I'm gonna tell you what these animals did. Okay. They were scavengers. Uh-huh. They took off Maitrece's sneakers. Then took off her socks, then unbuckled her belt, slipped it out of its loops, unzipped and tugged off her jeans and carefully removed her underwear to cause no problems, like no like rash burns, problems like that yeah. on her skin whatsoever. Right. And then the animals unfastened her two hook bra and got <laughs> it out from under her and again, caused no problems on her. They've been practicing since middle school. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> then they dragged and detached her right leg uphill by the thigh uh, instead of grabbing, like, something that could fit in their mouth, like a foot or an ankle, you right. know? Right, right, right. No, 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 no. They also did this without creating any scratch or bite marks in her thigh. So, what kind of animal is this? So, they have... so the snake did it. He wrapped yeah, around the snake. Yep. yep, it was the snake. Okay, yeah. we're getting somewhere here. All right. Then it carefully positioned this body part on top of a cluster of vines. And then carefully pulled out the femur. <laughs> Just and, pulled it out. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're not done. These little, you know, animals carried her jeans and bra 500 to 600 feet away, very respectfully. Completely respectful. Down the canyon, dropped them in the creek, then carried her belt a different 100 feet downstream, hung it up on some vines where it gets found. And then. They pull her clothes back out of the creek because there is no rust on her, like, zipper. There is no holes in any of her clothes, no bite marks. But they change their mind. They do eat her two T-shirts, underwear, socks, and sneakers in full to where there's not even a trace of them left. Uh Uh-huh. So that is the most logical solution. Yes.
0: Yes. Very, very logical. What kind of animals live in this area? (laughs) Like, Jesus. So... Well, they, you said of Pass, so it's a Yeti. No, oh, <laughs> yes, I changed the location. It is now Yeti again.
1: Now, if animals didn't remove the clothing, a different guy, Captain Smith said in an October 2010 meeting, he goes, what if the rushing water of the creek undressed her? Okay. Okay. So now the rushing, mean, he's, he's trying to come up with solutions.
0: But so that the is water not a is unhooking answer. the bra and unzipping right. your pants
1: and undoing the belt right. loop. That's some really powerful water. Yeah. And also in this scenario, the water would have needed to rise over 60 feet over the top of the creek bed just to push her body in the opposite direction of the current. This is this is California. This is in order to deposit it back where it was found. And even if the water had been that high, Latisse says, Since what does water unbuckle unbuckle belts, unzip jeans, and unhook bras? How did the water take off with her t-shirts? She's pissed. She's oh, so absolutely. Pissed. And also. Amidst all of this, people start pointing out she was outside for eleven months. Why was her body only partially mummified and not fully decomposed? Right in this kind of setting, and maggots run relevant in this area when animals die. Like this, mm-hmm. that's a real big thing they talk about in some part of this. So the rangers find my tree naked, semi decomposed, and Sheriff Baca then later in a press conference says, "We have no indication of homicide, though. I believe." I don't believe these remains are capable of telling us any kind of a story. So you're stupid. (laughs) Like, imagine. I want to know. Just how much gaslighting to his wife that man does. Oh, my
0: God. Can you imagine? I'm so sorry for Mrs.
1: Baca, but she needs to leave his ass. So way at the beginning... Back yonder, if you remember, <laughs> years, <and> years ago.
0: <laughs> ancient times.
1: I talk about that woman named Vanessa that could or could oh, not exist. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you want to know who Vanessa is? Yeah. So see, some people wonder if the valet must her and if she did say Tessa, because Tessa yes. was her girlfriend for two years. Uh-huh. But then randomly, these stories come about about a girl named Vanessa. So supposedly there was a regular at that club where she worked at who was named Vanessa. And some people say my trees had fallen for Vanessa. And that's why she ended things with Tessa. Again, we're super unsure if any of this is true or even if Vanessa exists. So supposedly one night after work, my trees goes to visit Vanessa in Las Vegas for her birthday, which is weird that of all places she lives in Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> right. OK. And supposedly Vanessa was taken and she's like, oh, thanks for coming to my birthday. I have a girlfriend. Or boyfriend. I don't even know if Vanessa was gay. I didn't no shit about Vanessa, you guys. <laughs> and then my trace is like, well, now I want you more. Want what I can't have. And that's it. So when they're like, well, so I also have a question. Did either Tessa or this supposed Vanessa have any tattoos? Since that's one of the things she says is like, she's covered in tattoos. Because maybe what if Vanessa doesn't, but what if Tessa does? That right. makes us now think maybe she said Tessa. You know what I mean? No, but that's
0: completely overlooked because, you know, who yeah, that's common sense, right?
1: Because the river did this.
0: <laughs> yes, the water. <laughs> Clearly a with tornado came in, picked her up and
1: placed her there and just left everything. And then the squirrels and snakes were in cahoots with it. Yes. So then I have something else. <laughs> Leading up to the day at Joffrey's, people say my Trace's behavior was becoming bizarre. They said she didn't talk on the phone as much as she used to, because she's like a person that likes phone calls. They said that she would post frequent musings on her MySpace at all random hours. Oh, good old MySpace. (laughs) She would say weird things like, have you ever woken up at 7 a.m. crying on a Saturday? Because now that you see the light, you see all the people you lost in the dark. Welcome to my reality, dot, dot, dot. Wow. People said something was really off with her. They said that she did talk to at least one friend about seeking therapy, but that per- friend hasn't came forward, and as far as anyone close to her knew, she never actually really dealt with her mental illness Now, on days leading up to her disappearance, Maire sent her mother a number of alarming texts that you can like look up, and they're very decipherable uh not decipherable. they're wonky. One of them is she's like, "I'm going to call up Michelle Obama so she can talk to her husband, Mr. Barack Obama, if you don't know who he is, and he's gonna <laughs> Mr. Get me a- Obama. <laughs> yeah, she's like, he's going to get me a job in the White House." I don't even know what she was yeah. wanting to do in the White House, but she wanted to. And then another one, she's like talking about the Bible and stuff, like in the same text with, of Barack and Michelle. Very random. It's very random. They're very odd things. Um, So people were like, yeah, no, I think something was wrong. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Just slightly. Um, possibly. Possibly wrong. But that's literally where it ends. We don't have any more information. Mm-hmm. They aren't Like, continuing to think that something happened. They, like, essentially say, like, this is closed. Right. And fucking RVP is part of the problem of why this is closed. No big deal. So, uh... (laughs) I don't even know how to talk about how I feel. Because there's so much in this case. This is a big case. This was a lot. Yes. Um... I feel like I've talked the whole case, so I'm just going to. Kylie, how do you feel? All right. So
0: I think that there's three parts. The first part is she's absolutely having a mental breakdown. The second part is that the cops that she like all of the officers that she comes in contact with. Or maybe that station in general is racist Mm -hmm. and does not give a shit about what happens to her.
1: And that's what a lot of people do bring up. Mm-hmm. They talk about the racial charged par- portion of like this in case. in that area. Because they all wonder. They were like, is it they didn't give a crap about her because of that? Yeah. And is that why they were all like, oh, now we're double back and being like, yeah, no, you're right. She was really well spoken. She was that's, really like. Huh. Well, I'm coming from that like
0: idea because like Sharon Cummings and all of those other people like. Sharon all of a Cummings is-, is black. Oh well, that doesn't make sense.
1: I was gonna tell you that when you were done with this, but I want to just pause what you're thinking okay. to tell you that weird fact. Other people, though, may, that's why
0: I'm. That's why I was saying in the in the beginning, like, there's some sort of incriminating situation in that evidence of mm-hmm. the video. I feel like there's something racist going on,
1: and then which, and that's why a lot of people are like, but then they replaced them with a new black sheriff, and you know, Officer Cummings is black, and people are like, see, there's nothing racial here. That doesn't mean there isn't
0: right no definitely not okay i mean it could still definitely be racist yeah um but then i also think that at the end i kind of believe the guy that was just leaving at the same time but if that station is already corrupt then who's to say there's not more there but because like there's cartel and stuff going on around that area so what if he was
1: just the lookout that also told exactly there's a a bad cop
0: situation going wrong and i think it's about white supe- supremacy in a racist area and the cartel is involved and it's just a bad cop situation i think they're what's the word when cops are bad
1: um
0: what is it called
1: is there a word for yeah, it? yeah
0: no, there's definitely a word
1: corrupt oh a corrupt <laughs>
0: I was thinking cop. there's others. There's other words. I was
1: thinking of something way different, but I can't tell you what I was thinking of. Like, I don't have it up there, but I know Yeah, I'm thinking else. of like a TV
0: show where they say it
1: like, because I, I was thinking of the, the movie, the departed. And I'm like, what do they call the bad cops? But I'm thinking of the mafia, not a bad cop. Don't, don't talk to me right now.
0: Would they say corrupt. I don't know. I don't know the word I'm saying, but I, I, I think racism, white supremacy, bad cop, no good cops, bad cops all around. um all of that is mm-hmm. a is a play in this, and it's all absolutely avoidable.
1: yeah, I could see that. yep, that's where I'm at. Um, how do you feel? Like honestly, same, I feel like there is a bunch of stuff that's hidden, and I do yeah. wonder if it has to do with that. mostly because what worries me so much about this case is they are not willing to do any extra work, any extra paperwork or mm-hmm. anything. But they are 100% bad or 100% bad. 100% fine repeatedly with double backing on everything they've done and doing that amount of paperwork. Well, and they're fine to fi- correct something. Yeah, you know and like, they're
0: they're fine with not giving the information originally like uh weird Rarero person like
1: no, nothing nothing odd. Cutting the video would have taken 3 hours tops. Yeah. To watch the right locations, cut it, whatever. Yeah. Not 4 months. Three months, however it was. No. I don't know what kind of editing you're doing to that video. That's going to take three to four months. I can so. literally
0: cut a video right now in two seconds on my iPhone. So I'm sure it's a little bit more d- difficult. Yeah. In or that maybe they were but... doing
1: multiple cameras, whatever your fucking reason is here. Yeah. Not, not, not months. That's, no, that's ridiculous. So that's fake, 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 <laughs> bullshit. I call you, bullshit. You know what we should start doing on cases like this? We should have like a no cap. <laughs> Well, we should have a, a bullshit meter where we like, oh, what we yeah. need is, do you know those toys? <laughs> We've talked about it before. We're bringing them back. We talked about it in the Chris Moss, Chris Weiner episode. They look like this. And then you turn them upside down and they go, wow. Okay, I have a story. Wow. Yes, yes. I don't remember what they're called. The Nool toys. They're called Nools. Because <laughs> we have this, we had like a 20 minute conversation. We had the entire to, to cut yes. it all out. I don't Except think we funny, did cut it out. I cut half of that out. <laughs> it was so long. You remember. Okay. Um, but we need like a device that makes some sort of a noise, kind of like an easy button or like something like that, but we need a we need a thing and then we'll we'll do our bullshit meter noise and then give our bullshit rating o'clock on how fucked up this police department is and their bullshit. If any of you have that MP3 just send it over. Yeah. We just need some <laughs> some stuff like that.
0: Uh, no, my story about the what is it? No, Noal, no, the
1: Noal toys. The no. no. Okay,
0: my one of my coworkers. Um, she'll make this noise like a like a burp type of thing, and it sounds like that toy, and I laugh every single time. <laughs> and I'm just like this person. I'm just like every single time you do that, it makes me think of that toy every single time. She's like, thank you. This validates me.
1: They're also called grown tubes, if you remember, because in the, in the actual t- episode, Stop. here's what happens. Chris and I are talking about it. And at first we were describing it so badly <laughs> that you did not know what we were talking about. Yes. And I say, hold on, I'll pull it up. And I pull it up and I pulled it up conveniently, extremely fast. And <laughs> when I do that. Chris Weiner goes, do you just have that like on your phone ready for if someone says groan tube, you just start pulling out the groan tube noise? And I was like, no, I found a YouTube 10 hour video. He goes, 10 hour video? Are we in Guantanamo Bay? <laughs> <laughs> and he got real mad at me for wanting to play 10 hours worth of a groan tube. That's so funny. Um, which for anyone that doesn't know what we've been talking about, I'm going to play the groan tube real quick so that Kylie doesn't have to. Splice it in. I found the same 10 hour clip. Of course, you did. <laughs> okay, let me make sure my sound's up. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Oh, no. you too. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Those things, they're grown too. <laughs>
0: Which what is it? It's like it's like a hollow tube, and, it has, and then there's like a thing inside that is like a speaker looking thing. Because I've seen
1: one broken. So here's the here's the title of this video. U in all caps. U a a a a space a u u u u u ground tube ten hours. Description of this video. I don't know why you're here, but enjoy your stay. <laughs> ten hours. <sighs> it's only used. For like, hmm, torture, maybe? Okay. (laughs) Groan tubes work by utilizing the spring tension that is within them to create a vibration that produces the distinctive groaning, groaning, groaning noise that you hear because the groan tube produces sound through the manipulation of air molecules with its coiled shape amplifying the vibrations. (laughs) Wow, that makes it sound so cool. There was so much science. The grown <laughs> tube was invented in the early 1960s by Japanese toy manufacturer called. Oh, it's Japanese? Yeah. Wow. That's so fun. <laughs> it's fun. You know what's even a worse sound though? What? Um. Well, this. Happy New Year! Oh, yeah, I hate Do those. you know that thing? Yeah. Um. What What do I call that? No idea. New Year's noise maker. Okay. This. Oh yeah. That's that's all you need. Oh my god! I found a seven hour clip of it. No worries. Oh my god! You've there's an ad. File Things. Got it. Those things. Yep. Oh my god! Stop. Or, like, the clinker ones. Like, yeah. oh, my God, why yeah. are they all so bad? What is wrong with New Year's trying to make noise machines a thing? Stop me.
0: I mean, that's like a bell. That's that even better.
1: Oh, my God, stop, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so. So here we are. Yeah. So that's the end
0: of the case. White supremacy, racism, and some whacked cop job.
1: I want a grown tube. <laughs> <laughs> what? You think no. on YouTube? No, I mean on Amazon. No, I want to look up. They do, they do. I could probably buy a pack of them. You probably buy them in bulk. Oh my god, that would be so fun! You can. <laughs> they're colored. <laughs> they're so fun. Ooh, there's oh, there's Halloween themed ones. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Pause. Look at the Halloween's. What? We got little pumpkins at the top. Oh my gosh, and skulls, and I'm gonna get us a grown tube for the podcast. I'm sure you are oh
0: yeah what are we oh let's use it anytime there's shoddy cop investigations and work so we're gonna need a
1: 10 hour version
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) oh i found one that's a triceratops okay (laughs) Athena, chill (laughs) all right um (laughs) your adhd is kicking in. oh and a giraffe okay i gotta chill i I feel like i've seen the giraffe before these are so fucking fun i want them in every version like the dinosaur, the crocodile. New
0: on CSP. Athena is now collecting grown tubes.
1: Oh, there's a shark. <laughs> okay, I think I'm gonna get the shark. I added the shark to my cart. Oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> how much are they? I'm not gonna tell you. They're not that much. <laughs> they're less than twenty dollars. Um, <laughs> less than they better be less than ten dollars. Oh, I'll not get Thena. the shark. I'll get a plain one. I'll get a plain one. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'll find. I'll look later. Um, Remember, remember how you said you were going to be better the in twenty twenty four. I'm going to stop wasting my money. Also, me is going to fly to North $15 Carolina. To fifteen dollar grown, fifteen dollar grown tube. It's for the podcast. No. Yeah, you you can't, can't write it off. It of off. My text. No, no, they're going to be like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is your podcast about? Dead people? What with grown tubes? Yeah. Yes, and well, I'm sorry." The grown tubes has to do with the police. I'm so sorry for lying. (laughs) Well, I guess that's that. Um, We always have to end on something a little less intense because otherwise we'll go insane. Yeah. Yeah. Insanity. It's a thing. Um, So, okay. Well, um, good (laughs) night. Thank you once again for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to tell us how you feel about grown tubes as well. (laughs) And the case. Equally important. Equally important things to me. (laughs) The case I spent hours and days writing and reading about, and grown tubes. My my, my favorite type of tube. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not going there. <laughs> yeah. Are there other types of tubes? I'm not going there. Like a pocket pussy? Is that what you're thinking? That's
0: exactly what I thought oh. of immediately.
1: Huh. Have you seen that meme about the Chernobyl pocket pussy? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, pause. Last thing, and then we are leaving this station. (laughs) Okay. All right, there's this meme on Facebook. Um, It was, like, put on um, a Facebook group where, like, people make food and it goes wrong. And it was, like, a stuffed chicken cordon bleu type thing. Okay. But it exploded and then it like burned and then all this stuff happened. And one person was like, it's the forbidden pocket pussy. And someone else was like the Chernobyl pocket pussy. And they're like, those are the two words I have never wanted to see in the same sentence. Like, I never needed that phrase in my life. And they're like, well, now you have it. I'll find it for you. All right. <laughs> You're going to have to post it. <laughs> yep, feel
0: free to tell us how you guys feel tonight thank you for joining us after dark. We can't wait to chat with you next week for another new episode. Sleep tight.
1: Hey, listener, did you have some feedback about this week's case? Or maybe you want to chat with us. Maybe you even have a suggestion you'd like to throw our way. We're always just a click away. You can easily find all of our socials on Linktree through Cryptic Soup Pod, which is available in our Instagram bio. You can also join the CSP Discord where we would love to chat with you. Thank
0: you for joining us this week and make sure to check out our sources available in the description if you want to dive deeper into this case. Don't forget to show your support and love for CSP by leaving a review and rating wherever you normally listen. Next week, we will be back with a new episode where you can join in on the conversation after dark. Cryptic Soup Pod is a
1: podcast that contains sensitive material at times. We understand that sometimes the subjects are too much for some of the listeners. We thank each and every one of you for being a member of the community and always supporting us. Thank you for everything, and we'll see you next time. So stay tuned. little to no explanation of what happened in the okay. end
0: a series of unfortunate events
1: unusual against
0: unfortunate unusual. unfortunate 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 lemony snicket lemony snicket dan handler what dan handler <laughs> do you say nefarious or nefarious depends on
1: the sentence <laughs> i think nefarious to be honest but I know nefarious is more common. Yeah, I say, in this case,
0: I would say nefarious. But it's like a character. Doctor nefarious? Doct- mm.
1: All I can think of is Nosferatu. <clears throat> Are you ready? hmm
0: Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is the mystery of Maitrese Richardson. Back in the 2000s, Maitreese had an. had an? Had an. Had an? Yeah. No. That's not a vowel.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. I'll <laughs> well, just read better. <laughs> okay. You're the uh, one that wanted to say, and she's doing usual events. Yeah, I did. Maybe that's why.
0: Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is the mystery of Maitreese Richardson. Back in the 2000s, my trees had a series of unusual events that occurred in a. a cur, uh, occurred.
1: Mm-hmm. It occurred. I'm just changing that right now. <laughs> you just change it. Yep, we're done with that word. You can't do that one. Every time fucking word up, it gets changed. <laughs> Good luck, my
0: trees. Oh. what happens if i fuck that up Uh, nope you just can't we're done with the whole episode (laughs) switch into a different one sorry guys this one's no good (sighs) okay i
1: just typed in chernobyl pocket pocket
0: i'm doing